still sitting here over the weekend, but somebody just didn't want to hear anything in the headphones. They were like, I'd rather not hear. I, I guess it was, I think Ryan filled in for Zach this weekend. So I guess it was um, he who just didn't want to hear Paul. He was like, I'm good, bro. I don't want to hear you. Good morning. It's Len Clark Radio. As you can tell, I'm uh, still recovering. It's not the COVID, I promise. What it is is twofold. One, it's it's allergies as always, but it's allergies combined with I went to a concert on Saturday night and like an idiot, I yelled and I screamed and I sang along with every word forgetting what I do for a living and that I need to have a voice. And then uh, when I had to do the radio show yesterday, thankfully, uh, Rita took care of me. She was like, I got you. And she went and she got me some hot tea and everything was fine and I got through it. Um <clears throat> I forgot that I needed to keep doing that. I got to turn it back up. You turned me down. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was, I gotta, uh, everything yeah. was a little high when I... All right. All right. Um, but I'm here, and we are going to work our way through it. And I swear I had some lozenges. Maybe I left them out in the car. I'll run out there, but they lock me out every time. There's a weird bit about the new office. Locks you out when you want to go out to your car. Yeah, I don't know what that's all about. I don't know why that is, but the door automatically locks. There is no... I, I, we have not been able to figure out a way to just leave it unlocked so that somebody could walk out to their car and then walk back in. Very weird bit. I don't understand it. Not everything's perfect. Not everything's the way that I want it to be. But that is strange. Good morning. Uh, Monday edition of the program. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. Um, bit of a friends and family day on tap, including um, my, my partner, Sarita Hubbard. We're checking in to see if she's become... A better person today. If you guys weren't listening to the radio show yesterday, Rita, oh, Rita had a day. We'll talk more about that in a bit. Um, speaking of 105.7, Rob Long's going to join us. Of course, 105.7 and Masson. He was sweating through his shirts while working the Orioles games this weekend. We'll talk to him about what happened and what's going to happen and all of those things. Orioles, of course, lose two or three to the Yankees this weekend, which was a bummer. Uh, they now open a four-game set with the Rays tonight at Camden Yards. And we inch closer to August 2nd and kind of D-Day for the Orioles to figure out whether or not they believe they're in this thing, whether they feel like they've got to make moves, whatever might occur. We are three days closer to that, and nothing that occurred this weekend would say anything sort of loudly about what the Orioles should do. If the Orioles had, say, swept the Yankees this weekend, then they would probably make quite the statement. If they had been swept, it might make a statement as well. And while losing two out of three at home, I, I got a column kind of about this today at PressBoxOnline.com. I can't lie. I'm in a weird place where a team that I didn't think could disappoint me is disappointing me. And whether that's fair or not, that's reality. I know I'm not alone because I, I heard from other people this weekend about that. It's strange that we're in a place where we're feeling feelings towards this Orioles team that we had no expectation we would feel feelings towards. We, we thought nothing of this team coming into the season. And now, when they came back, made it 7-6 on Friday night, instead of saying, geez, what fight they showed and... You know, that's the thing about this Orioles team. They just don't quit. A lot of us had an exact opposite feeling, which is, wow, this sucks. <laughs> they they couldn't come all the way back. That's a bummer. And it's a weird feeling, and it goes into where our expectations are. And, and it also sort of speaks to the margin for error that they left themselves. 
you, getting back into this thing by virtue of winning 10 straight games is wonderful, but the reality was because you dug yourself so deep a hole, you had a very small margin for error. And if they're going to be a threat to make a playoff push, which again is is still it's all we keep have to say that it's unlikely. That's just not likely or reasonable, but they're in it if that's going to come. This really does become kind of a, I don't want to say critical, but a a really important four games because we have the backdrop of the deadline looming um, early next week. And if they were to say lose three out of four to the Rays, you got to at some point make decisions. You can't make all of your decisions when you wake up on Tuesday morning. And if they were to lose three of these next four games, and then the more recent trend, I can do math, would be that they would have lost five out of six, seven out of their last nine. Is that right? That's not right. They would have lost four, four, five out of seven and seven of ten then at that point, a bit of reality maybe sets in, and even though they're not terribly far away from 500, and even though we all know that they would have played those 10 games against the best teams, some of the best teams in the American League, and the Yankees and the Rays, at some point you have to make decisions. So I do believe this is an important four days for the Baltimore Orioles. I don't know that if you split these four games that it gives you a definitive answer, but it keeps this thing going. And I don't know even that if you win three out of four that it means you abandon anything you were thinking about, but I think it forces you to continue to consider that. I am... um, I'm still excited about this team. And, you know, as as I talked about ad nauseum. I'm not going to move my goalposts for weeks now, I've told you. My goal is play a significant September baseball game. And I Labor Day is the day that I keep pointing to. Get me to Labor Day and a significant electric game that feels like it matters in Baltimore and everything else is good. Everything else that happens from there, I don't care about. You can just get me to Labor Day. I'm cool. I'm not just cool, I'm overwhelmed. And I'm not moving those goalposts. I'm not going to suddenly say, no, they got to get into the playoffs, so this is a bummer, this is a disappointment. Yesterday was a disappointment because they didn't even put up a fight. I mean, yesterday they got their butts kicked. Yesterday they did not look the part. They didn't look like a team. Now this happens in baseball. I don't know if you've heard, the Red Sox have been getting bludgeoned recently. I mean, getting their asses handed them. Sometimes even good teams lose baseball games in lopsided manners. I don't even know if the Red Sox are a good team. Um, their outfield does not look good. No. They can't no. see fly can't ball. can't find a ball. Is it Tapia that, that happened to the other day? Uh, yeah, well, uh, it was Duran that was in center, and then Tapia hit the... Oh, oh the okay, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. My bad. And then Arroyo did it, lost one a couple weeks ago. Brutal. Um, but it was fun to watch the, the Blue Jays <laughs> yeah. get a, 
inside the park grand slam that was neat also what was glybar torres doing in left field yesterday i did not get to watch the game because we were doing our radio show so i'm like watching this this rutchman play in in the first inning and i'm like what the f that's glybar torres but then somebody again i get to watch the game because of the radio show I'm watching on Twitter and somebody's saying it was described as an E4 because Torres was playing second base, but for some reason was running in left field, I guess related to whatever shift they were in for Adley Rutschman. I'm not sure how any of this happens or any of this makes sense and what a weird sport baseball is. Very weird sport. I did not understand why Glybar Torres was running around in left field. That made no sense to me. And maybe explain why it was that what was ultimately perhaps a fairly routine play he was unable to make on that fly ball from Adley Rutschman on a day where the Orioles just really had nothing going for themselves offensively. Just nothing. Not a lick of offense to be had in that loss yesterday as they fell 6-0. But, again, big four games on tap. Four days in which we figure out if they're going to inch anything closer towards being a threat, uh, competitive, whatever it is that you want to call it, I, a big four days gets underway tonight. I'm sorry, I'm, I am dealing with this thing. It's not great. It's not great. And when you, when you start a big series, there's nobody else that you want on the mound for the, the opener of it than Austin Voth. That's the guy that just says, hey, look, got to bounce back. Got to get the ace on the mound. Well, the good news is it means we're going to see a lot of the bullpen, which has been the best part of um, probably, one of the yes, best parts of the order. That's so, probably true that we will see a lot of the just bullpen. Just doesn't set us up uh, great, I guess, for the rest of the series if a starter gets hit rather hard early. No, not ideal. So I guess the, real, the other real kind of question that lingers going into this week is, um, is D.L. Hall. D.L. Hall was kind of shifted, prefer what appears to be an innings protection concept. He was shifted over the weekend or late last week into shorter appearances. I believe he made a one-inning appearance. I think the idea from a couple of people that I have spoken to is if he's going to end up in the majors at some point, they are going to need to be realistic about the innings limit they're going to have to have on him this season. I don't believe, I know when we had Stan in here on Friday, Stan was really pushing the idea of D.L. Hall being a bullpen guy. I have spoken to no one around the Orioles, and I'm not trying to call out Stan. I think Stan's giving an opinion, but I've spoken to nobody around the Orioles that feels anything like that, that feels anything along the lines of, we're 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 gonna be better suited with DL Hall in the bullpen. Every pitcher could end up in the bullpen, every single one, but no one that has thought even remotely that the story for DL Hall will be that he gets here to be a bullpen arm. That that's I I get what Stan's saying. I completely understand it, but I have not been able to find anyone that feels as though that would be the route for DL Hall. Uh, DL Hall, yes, on Friday, pitched one inning. Made the start, pitched one inning. And a lot of people were panicked because, you know, when somebody gets pulled after one inning, 
you tend to worry about like you know was was there an arm fatigue thing was there something that he felt anything along those lines the word is no this is just what they were going to do and some people wondered if that was because there was an immediacy to it hey coming out of the all-star break we need you to pitch we can't have you just sit around doing nothing there are people that have wondered if maybe that means that DL Hall is going to make his debut this week and they just wanted to have him throw an inning to be fresh. Don't know. There's been a lot of bluster about the possibility of DL Hall making his debut soon. For the sake of our little bet that we made on Friday, I hope it's not this soon. But I get it. If the L Hall were to be here, like if I'm planning to go to the game on uh, Thursday because it's Mo Gabba Day, if we were to get a message that DL Hall was scheduled to make his major league debut on Thursday, it would be electric. It would be awesome. It would be, you know, I'd, I'd lose my mind. I'd be so excited. Don't know. Can't can't give you any sort of answer whatsoever as to what the plans might be for DL Hall, but it is worth noting that D.L. Hall's last appearance was only an inning. And there are only so many reasons for that to have been the case. An injury would be the most significant one. That doesn't appear to be the case whatsoever. So the next ones you'd think about are pending debut or considering the innings limit for his eventual debut. Considering... The plan wasn't to have D.L. Hall in Baltimore at any point this season. There's no reason why you could, couldn't just keep pitching him, starting him, and letting him go five innings and just shutting him down whenever you get to that point. But if you want him in Baltimore at some point this season, it's because you want a season to continue. And the only way for a season to continue would be for you to limit the number of pitches he throws. Just to do the simple math. Because believe it or not, Mr. Radcliffe did teach me a thing or two. Um, D.L. Hall has only pitched 67 and two-thirds. Is that true? He's really only pitched 67 and two-thirds innings this year? I guess. I mean, he doesn't really go past inning five or six, does he? That still seems like a small number, doesn't it? Because that would still only be like 10, 12 stars. I'm I'm double-referencing this. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's a number 67.2 innings. Um, the most innings that D.L. Hall's ever pitched was 94 in 2018. So, you know, start doing this math, right? We are in late July. That means there's two months left in baseball season if he's going to get to the big leagues. There's two months and change left in baseball season. So let's just say he pitches, there would be, there would be the opportunity for him to pitch 10, at most 10 to 12 times, something along those lines. As a starter, yeah. If Right, if he's pitching every fifth day. Um, doing that math, that would put him, let's just say, again, you try for five innings. Probably not, but we're just working on this for the sake of conversation. If he were to make ten more five-inning appearances, he would surpass that, that innings total by 20-some. And he's coming off a year in 2021 where he only pitched 31 innings because of injury. So I don't know how far they feel like they can go with D.L. Hall this year. Clearly, you want to ramp him up to a more significant innings total when he gets to the major leagues. So I don't know what a reasonable number would be for this season based on all of those things. But what I do know is it would make sense for them to want to limit his innings at this point if 
the plan is in the coming weeks for him to get to the bigs. Let's not waste a lot more innings at AAA. Let's keep him going out there every fifth day. Limit the number of innings he's throwing. And instead of limiting his innings when he gets to Baltimore, we limit the innings now. We say now the innings are not all that significant to us because he's pitching in Norfolk. But there is a possibility of him pitching significant innings in Baltimore, so let's make sure he's available for those. Again, not telling you anything because I don't know. I'm just speculating on what the reasoning might be for why it is that D.L. Hall only pitched one inning his last time out on Friday. And I do think that monitoring that continues to be one of the more enticing things along with the trade deadline. The trade deadline, when D.L. Hall might arrive, the two things and the results of the games, which is the part we did not expect. I guess I need to keep saying that. The results of the games, trade deadline, D.L. Hall, seem to be the three kind of big things that we have on our radar in terms of the Orioles. Tonight, they open that four-game set against the Rays. Tomorrow, training camp gets underway for the Baltimore Ravens out in Owings Mills. Um, The news this morning that caught people's eye, but we're not really sure why it's relevant, is that they cleared some cap space. And they went to Marlon Humphrey. They converted $8.965 million of his $10 million base salary this year into a signing bonus. And that gives them an additional $7.172 million in salary cap space, according to uh, Field Yates of ESPN. One, it's a reminder that the salary cap is not real, that there are always things you can do if you want to. And that's ultimately the question, right? It's when we talk about cash above cap. There is always a question about how far you want to go as an organization in spending money. Because bills do end up needing to be paid. This is fairly simple. You're just moving money from one column to another column. It costs you actual cash in terms of the bonus but it frees up salary cap space. The question becomes, why? Why are you freeing up salary cap space? There are a few reasons why they might need to free up salary cap space. One would be, let's go with the bare, the bare minimum. The bare minimum would be, you only had $700,000 worth of salary cap space. If you go through injuries this season... You're going to have to sign players. You had no room to have to sign anybody as a backup plan. You don't get additional cap space because your players get hurt. When the Ravens had to sign running backs last year because their running backs got hurt, they had to have room in order to sign those running backs. Now, you're not talking about players going to cost a lot of money. But if something were to happen, you've got to have a little wiggle room in order to be able to functionally sign anyone, anyone at all. If you go through a scenario this year where, knock on every piece of wood I can possibly find, you have, you know, three different defensive linemen get hurt and you've got to go back out and, you know, is Brandon Williams still sitting on the beach right now? He hasn't signed anywhere, has he? I don't think so. you got to beg Brandon Williams to come back, something like that. Even if it ain't much money, 
You still have to have it. You've got to be able to spend it. So the first thing you can say is, they had to do something because they needed to create some sort of space should an emergency arise. The second question would be, do they already believe they have an emergency? I've said all along, the Ravens at some point must do something to add wide receiver depth. It is patently absurd, no matter how strongly you feel personally about any of Devin DuVernay, James Prochet, and Tylon Wallace. It is patently, and no matter what you think the other, <clears throat> oh boy, the other tight ends can do, splitting out wide, no matter what you think about this team being a team that's going to run, whatever you feel about those subjects, you can't have four, four guys that are even minimally NFL wide receivers on a roster. You must add to that in some capacity. I'm not saying that's going to be Julio Jones. I'm not saying it couldn't be. But you've got to add to that. And so perhaps they've known for some time, hey, we're going to, trust me, we're going to add a wide receiver. Perhaps a veteran wide receiver they wanted to add, not particularly interested in training camp, so they didn't feel pressed about needing to create the money four weeks ago. But now today they realize, hey, we, we do have to make these moves in the coming weeks. Let's go ahead and get this thing done. That's a possibility. There are all sorts of possibilities. A lot of people have said, is this, is this related to Lamar? The likelihood is that if you were to restructure a new deal for Lamar, you'd be just basically taking this year that's left and doing bonus money to add to it and then putting more money in future years. It's, it's not likely that this would be directly correlated to Lamar. But the more likely scenario is that either they're planning for potential things that might pop up, which you have to. You have to have emergency space on your cap. You've got to do that. Because somebody, I, I hate it, but somebody's going to get hurt. And you're going to need to sign street free agents. And again, they're not going to cost you a ton of money, but they're going to cost you something. And right now... You still need to sign a street free agent internally to cover one of one of your position groups is not complete, is not ready for an NFL season. You must do something, whatever that is. You got to do something. And look, I I hope Slade Bolden proves to be a thing, but assuming that is nonsense. No disrespect to Mr. Slade. Might prove to be the second greatest Bolden in Ravens history. Can't just work under the assumption that that's going to be your answer. All right. Today's show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, where this weekend there's another big UFC fight coming up and the place to be for all of the fights is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Coming up on Saturday night, you can watch Amanda Nunez and Juliana Pena, UFC 277, for free. Derek Lewis is on this card as well. Love Derek Lewis. He's a lot of fun. Anthony Smith is on this card. Great card. Saturday night. You can watch it for free. 
you can use their 61 self-service kiosks and make your bets and win big money so you can come out on top. Not only will you have not paid anything, you sit at home, you got to pay to watch the fight. You go to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, you watch the fight for free and you can win money. But reserve your spot because fight nights bring out huge crowds to the FanDuel Sportsbook. So you want to reserve your table, you want to reserve your reclining chairs, whatever it is. You want to bring some friends out, a group, work colleagues, whatever it is, email events at sportssocialmd.com right now to reserve your spot for UFC 277 Saturday night, Peña Nunez in the main event. You want to be there. You want to win money fighting, uh, betting on the fights, fighting about your bets. Could you win money fighting about your bets? I don't know. I got to think about that. Events at sportssocialmd.com is the website for you. Or the <clears throat> I can't blame my throat on my brain. Can't do that. It's the email address. It's not a website. It's the email address for you to get your reservation in. <sighs> when we come back in, we will uh, chat with my friend, the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard. We're going to preview the start of training camp, figure out what's on her mind, but we're also checking in. It's sort of a mental health check. For those of you that weren't listening to 105.7 The Fan yesterday, it was a day, and there was a lot of hubbub on social media about Rita kind of losing her mind so we just want to check in and make sure that she's doing all right we'll do that next it's glenn clark radio Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Get your tickets now for the premier high school lacrosse games of the year. The 17th annual All-America Lacrosse Boys and Girls Senior All-Star Games will be on Saturday, July 30th at Johns Hopkins Historic Homewood Field. This is your chance to see the future lacrosse stars up close and in person as they showcase why they are the best in the country. Go to allamericalacrosse.com and get your tickets now. The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's our very first Salute to Coaches issue. On the cover, we recognize Ravens coach John Harbaugh ahead of his 15th season. Also inside, find tributes to Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo, UMBC soccer coach Pete Karinji, Maryland soccer coach Sasha Sorovsky, and field hockey coach Missy Maharg, Mount St. Joe basketball coach Pat Clatchy, and Poly basketball coach Kendall Peace. We also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerl, the athletes who lives these coaches have impacted offering insights on what makes them special and why they've stood the test of time. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip 
That first bite. Mmm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Don't forget that full episodes of the show are available for free on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. But warning, you get what you pay for. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. Today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Coming up a little bit later on, I, th- I think I mentioned Rob Long's going to join us. Bo Smolka, uh, Pressbox's own Ravens beat writer, is going to check in with us as well. As we preview the start of training camp, which officially gets underway tomorrow, we know that uh, rookies have already reported. We know that Lamar Jackson has already reported, but um, the actual training camp itself, the rest of everybody reports tomorrow, and then practice gets underway uh, later this week as the Ravens begin preparations for the 2022 season. Uh, I needed to do this today. This was really important because if you weren't listening, and shame on you if you weren't, there's still some time. Uh, Odyssey has, I believe, a 24-hour policy for the rewind function. So you could go right now and rewind back to yesterday afternoon, 1 to 4 p.m., where Rita and I were back together on 105.7 The Fan, and things really came unraveled quite quickly. It it was quite the day. She is my friend, my partner, and uh, she's with us here at PressBox as well. She is my buddy, the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, and we need to do a mental health check today. Rita, good morning. How are you, friends? Hey, good morning, Glenn. I wanted, I wanted to do, because you said, you said you were going to be a better person today. When you woke up today, did you feel be like a you were a better person? Per- I gotta be a better person today. Yesterday just went off the whole rails. After the show, before the show. So today, I am a much better person. All right. I'm happy to hear that. Although, as I told you yesterday, I don't think you need to be a better person at all. I love that. I loved everything about it. And I got the sense that most of this city loved it as well. I didn't get the sense that there was a lot of negative. I mean, I don't know how. Yeah, uh, there was a, for those that didn't listen, there was one particular caller yesterday who really set Rita off. This caller's name was Chase. I don't know Chase. I don't think I've ever heard from Chase before. He's my least favorite member of the Paw Patrol. 
I don't much care for Chase. But I don't know if Chase loved it. I got the sense most everyone else genuinely enjoyed hearing you, you know, the, 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 I don't know, almost like the, the, the preacher came out in you yesterday. <laughs> First and foremost, you knew what was going to go left because he said I was pumped up, which I was like, I, I didn't think that I was like too rowdy yesterday. Um, and um, I, so, you know, he already came in hot when he was like, you rowdy or you need to yeah. take coffee. And I was like, so you already knew he was just going to, you know, whatever. Right, he he was. You already knew he was. He was gonna be on some funny stuff. So I, I I guess maybe at that point that's when it happened, right? I was just like, all right, I'm about to say something stupid <laughs> because he started off stupid. I was just like, I know, you know, what the, first and foremost, what do y'all want from from sports talk radio? Do you want me to talk? I can when talking about sports. I can absolutely do that. Or do you when we're having a conversation, a passionate conversation about a potential um, long-term contract for your franchise quarterback? Do you want me to feel passionate about it? I don't know what y'all want from me, but what you're gonna get from me is the latter. Okay. So I don't drink coffee. Let's start there. I'm a, I'm a tea drinker. Re- I'm and, drinking my green tea as we. And speak. Rita wasn't even drinking tea yesterday. That was me. I was the one drinking the tea. That yesterday. was you. <laughs> That was you drinking tea yesterday. So here's the thing. Don't accuse me of drinking coffee. This is just who I am. I'm that type of person. And, and look, I get it. Everything ain't for everybody. But if I'm not for you, don't listen to the show. That's all I'm going to say about that. Also, then you come. And, and, and Glenn, what sense did he even make? And oh. all y'all care about is final result. What the hell does that mean? You're damn right. All I care about is the final result. Correct. I want to cuss so bad. What does that <laughs> well, Hang on. Mean? Over here, you're allowed to cuss. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, no, because I was going to drop an F-bomb. <laughs> My thing is this. What, is, what, did, what are you saying? What exactly does that mean to you? If you want to say, okay, he plays very well in the regular season, but I need to see more from him in the playoffs, that is a very fair point, okay? I don't disagree with you at all. He has not played his best when he is in the postseason. What you don't say is all y'all care about is the final result. Well, yeah, he's won 75% of the game. I don't know. I didn't know I was supposed to care about anything else. Does he need work with stuff? Sure. We can say that about pretty much every quarterback in this league, including guys like Patrick Mahomes, that they could do better things at. It does not mean that they're still not really, really good or great at what they do in the form that they currently are. So – I get it. There's this thing, right? Lamar is such a polarizing person as a quarterback and as a person that, you know, you get, there's two sides, right? There's the, there's the I'm going to support him no matter what, and I'm pretty much going to criticize him no matter what. And I, I, I wanted him to make a valid argument, but he lost me with that, and I was done with it. And he tried to do the, you know, he's supposed to make your wide receivers bit. And that was – that was the one where I was trying to engage, and then I just realized you had you had red, like you were seeing red at that moment. You were, I was like, well, oh, well, and then I left you for a hot second. Yep. When he said, and so when he said, I don't watch the Bills because you you suggested that you know them getting trading for their wide receiver and had upgraded Josh's and Josh Allen's play, which everybody Stephon Diggs, everybody knows Stephon Diggs made Josh Allen better. You don't need to be. Of uh, 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 NFL, but it, his his jump 
from being a really good quarterback from the year that he didn't have stuff on day to the year that he did was humongous. So now you want to tell me I don't watch the Bills game. Well, you're a liar, okay? Everybody, even if you don't watch um, Bills, that's fine. You do watch ESPN because you're saying ESPN talking points. And guess who was on ESPN? Josh Allen, okay? So don't sit here and try to make up that stuff because that point that Glenn is making to you counters the point, and then you want to bring up Tom Brady. Oh, why are we bringing up Tom Brady? Because everybody likes to bring up Tom Brady as if he's not an anomaly, as if he's not a person who has separated himself from everybody else from a quarterback situation. And even then, I could still make arguments that Tom Brady had his game elevated with better players. So, I, I, you know, I don't know what exactly y'all want. Do y'all want him to, do, to, to spin around and do a backflip? What do y'all want? I mean, th- this is and what you want. What you should want is better wide receivers. That is what you should want. Yeah, I'd like that. I- I'd start there. The Rita, the, the infuriating part to me about this is it comes on the heels of the conversation that we were having yesterday with uh, our friend Jason Reed from ESPN, who's got the book uh, that's going to be out in a week, Rise of the Black Quarterback, and it's so impossible. The the thing that I struggle with the most, and you and I have talked about this a lot. And I appreciate your insight because, again, I am, I'm white. I can't hide from that. I'm white. I don't understand it the same way. But what I see is the absurdity of the criticism that Lamar Jackson faces. I'm going to share a sentence with you, by the way, in a second from The Athletic today. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but I, if you haven't, it will make your head spin. Um, the absurdity of the criticism that he faces when there is warranted. You just brought up one. He needs to play better in the postseason. Everybody agrees. You, the the, the, the yeah. biggest, the most ardent Lamar Jackson supporter and fan would agree and say that is a reasonable, fair criticism that we can make. But even I don't like to bring that up because it feels like I'm playing to the dullards and the dopes that want to unfairly right. criticize him. It becomes very difficult right. for exactly. me because I do want to criticize and I do want to fairly you know, say the things that we're supposed to say, but I feel like I'm walking into a hornet's nest because anytime you criticize Lamar Jackson at all, you're opening it up to the idiots, the racists, the whatever it is that just says anything. We'll throw anything at the wall to see if it sticks because it backs up some Correct. way that they want to feel. Yep. Correct. And that's and that's the that's the issue, right? Like the issue is not he's not getting fair criticism. Um the post season thing i think we all can agree that yes, is fair criticism it's fair but outside of that every the, the like, way he played I, against the blitz the way he played against the blitz mm-hmm. is not good enough fair we we have we, yep. we can say that and that's fair and that's reasonable that once you identify lamar jackson is one of the best quarterbacks in football he's one of the most incredible quarterbacks we've ever seen in the history of the game but he needs to play better against the blitz it's okay to say even good quarterbacks have def- brett Favre was a great quarterback crap person great quarterback right but, but he threw the ball to the yeah, I mean, yes, he's a horrible. He's a, clearly a horrible human being, and maybe the entire yeah, maybe the entire state of Mississippi should be nuked off the face of the planet. I mean, that's that's not fair. I'm sure there's decent people in Mississippi, um, but 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 Brett Favre threw the ball to the other team all the time, all the time. He threw the ball to the other team. Doesn't he lead? Isn't he? Isn't he all time in interceptions? Oh, I'm, he was I, at I, one point. I'm, I'm, I'm almost. Yeah, I don't know if for some reason. I'm almost certain he's still. Um, but the point being, like we could, you could say Brett Favre is a great quarterback 
who throws the ball to the other team too much. It's okay to say those things, but yeah. the sentence has to begin with, you can't try to make it so Brett Favre wasn't a great quarterback. You can't do that. Yeah. You can't rewrite history yeah. and say that because someone struggles in one capacity, it means they're not great. Ugh! When you hear this sentence, Rita, I, I'm... Do I, should I, do, I, do I have to? Okay, all right, please. Um, Mike Sando does a quarterback tears story every year for the Athletic. He reaches out to yeah. general managers, coaches, all story, and then does this quarterback tears thing. <sighs> Lamar Jackson is number ten on that list. And again, it's not his personal. By the way, Brett Favre still comfortably number one most interceptions thrown. Not no one particularly close. Uh, Favre three thirty six, George Bland to two seventy seven. No one's gotten close. Right. Uh, Lamar Jackson is 10th on the list. Now, again, that's not his list. It's him asking people in the league, and they, they rank the quarterbacks. This is a quote that is from a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Quote, oh, God, I, I don't, I'm, you're trying to be a better person, and I'm doing this to you. Oh, Jesus. I'm sorry, Rita. If he has to pass to win the game, what? they ain't winning the game. He's so unique as an athlete, and he's really a good football player, but I don't care if he wins the league MVP 12 times. I don't think he'll ever be a one as a quarterback. He'll be a one as a football player, but not as a quarterback. So many games come down to two-minute, and that is why they have a hard time advancing even when they're good on defense. Playoffs are tight. You have to be able to throw the ball, and he is just so inconsistent throwing the ball. It is hit or miss. That's from an NFL defensive coordinator. I don't even know what you want me to do with that. What do you want me to do with that, Glenn? Rita, this is is why there's nobody at all that can be mad at you for how you reacted yesterday. (laughs) This is the utter insanity that we, the mental gymnastics that we do, the word salads, the what a word salad that is from whoever this guy is. Probably Jack Del Rio. I, I don't know that at all. I'm just, <laughs> just, that's shtick. All right. That's not, I don't, oh I have no reason to think that it's actually Jack Del Rio, although, you know, come on. The word salads that we concoct because for whatever reason, and I and this is where whether it's just sheer racism or whether it's because people have just been and I know that this is reflection of racism, have been intrinsically brought up to believe that a quarterback that ever runs ever is somehow problematic. Although, of course, none of them say that about Josh Allen, which is proof that it is just racism. Can't be a great quarterback. And we will say anything at all. We will mm-hmm. concoct mm-hmm. any nonsense, anything we can come up with to try to back it up so to prove that we are right and you can't be a great quarterback if you're black and you run. It's impossible. It can't be done. <laughs> oh, you know, hey, man, look, where statistically that ain't, you can't even find something that, that, that agrees with that logic, right? But you know, th- that's what makes um, Reed's book so interesting 
is because he talks about, um, you know, how the, the evolution of the black quarterback and how back in the day, um, teams literally was moving black quarterbacks to other positions because they, quote unquote, didn't want them to embarrass themselves on a league level. And so that's just how far back this goes. And then Lamar is just so different. He's He's different in the way he talks. He's different in the way he looks. He's different in the way he plays. And we can't box Lamar. And because of that, um, I think that this is where where all of this, you know, falls apart, right? I mean, I, I can even give you an example of, like, and look, up Deshaun Watson, right? I, I'm specifically talking about Deshaun Watson as a football player, you know, Deshaun Watson probably looked as much as a quarterback as anybody else when he came out, but yet he was drafted like 17th overall. Like, what was that? And somehow we still found criticism to, to move that man literally almost to the middle of the round. Mitch Trubisky was in that same draft, correct? And how, uh, yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. Trubisky and, and yeah. Watson. Watson were in the same draft, okay? So, meanwhile, you know, Patrick Mahomes, you know, gets drafted high, and obviously the Chiefs traded up for him. He out there looking like Brett Favre. You ever seen him play, like, in the Bedlam game? It was crazy, right? Right, right. But, you know, something about him was different. You know what I'm saying? So, it's continuing trend. Um, it's just a continuing trend that we have seen time and time and time again. And Lamar, because you can't box him in anything, because he is unique in every single way, we have come to the conclusion that because we can't box him, we're going to criticize him. And that's where we are. And, yes, a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's black. So because when Josh Allen was out here looking a hot-ass mess in his rookie year, throwing to the damn fullback in the playoffs, looking like a damn fool, all we said was, oh, he just needs coaching. He just needs work. Right. Right. You know, right. and 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 that was just kind of it. Then they went and got Stephon Diggs, and guess what? Oh, look what that look! Look how different that is. Yes. Imagine if Lamar had a Stephon Diggs. Imagine if he was able to get that type of caliber player, and and be able to grow with him. But we, you know, unfortunately, he hasn't had that opportunity, and he's he has elevated everybody that he's played with. He's played more with less. We don't give him enough credit for that. We just have to find ways to criticize Lamar Jackson. That is, for the most part, Glenn, you know that I don't even argue on Twitter anymore about him because I think it's pointless. But I had to address it yesterday because I obviously the man called the show. Like, I can't right. let that <laughs> right. you know? right. So this is just where we are. I pick and choose my battles when it comes to him. I think a lot of this is foolishness, and it's not going to stop. And that's just what it is. That is just what we're dealing with in the – you know, realm of Lamar Jackson, the quarterback. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's just... I, I, it is. And I know it's... When I say it's unbelievable, I'm sure there's somebody side-eyeing that right now. Like, really? Is it? It's unbelievable? And I'm like, no, you're right. It's completely yeah. believable because I've... I've It's completely believable. I've, I've, I've watched it and I've heard it and, I, you know, like, we're so used to it at this point. But we still, at some point... I I'm with you for the most part, Rita. I avoid the overwhelming majority of it, right? The overwhelmingly, I ignore it, and I just say these people are absurd. I'm it's it's the it's almost to the point of pure comedy. Like what what is this? Can can those of us that are reasonable thinkers acknowledge 
the absurdity of this, the absurdity of the lengths that people are willing to go in their attempts to try to break down Lamar. I mean, it's just, uh, God, it's so ridiculous. All right, all right. Um, right. How, so you uh, <clears throat> just want to confirm uh, the NFL chicks, Rita Hubbard. You, you're you're gonna be on 105.7 tomorrow night. You're gonna be. Uh... <laughs> yes, I'll be on 105.7 tomorrow night. <laughs> I will be there. It's ladies' night. I don't know if you heard. Uh, it's, uh, it's it is ladies' it's, night. Uh, it's it is ladies' important night, night for you you and Jerry to be uh, doing a show together. And uh, absolutely, yeah. And I not will not not, be not to be back. making other plans to be other places. I will. <laughs> oh, like like Rita, like Rita did to me at the end of the show yesterday. We're signing off. We're like, all right, we'll see you guys next week. I'm really excited about it. And then five minutes later, <laughs> five minutes later, Rita's like, oh, uh, by the way, yeah, I'm not going to be there next Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> the hell. The hell. Sorry. Thanks a lot, Rita. Mm. Thanks a lot. Well, enjoy oh your. Oh my God. Enjoy your trip. I imagine I'll probably talk to you tomorrow. Thank night. you, friend. Enjoy your trip. Love yeah. you. Appreciate you. You, you talking to me soon? I talk right. to you. Love you too, friend. That's the NFL Bye. chick, Sarita Hubbard. I I I am so. Again, I I really do. I do my damnedest to ignore. This is what's frustrating about um this Mike Sando piece. I give Mike Mike Sando is one of the most authoritative NFL writers I believe that exists today. Um, the Cook Index is a, a one of my favorite things that he does, where he really dives into the numbers of our teams running. What what is the percentage where they're trying to establish the run in in actual run situations, first and second down, outside of the final two minutes when they're not behind by a lot of points and forced to throw, I think the cook index is tremendous and it's something, it's a resource I use a lot. Mike Sando is plugged in. Of course, worked for ESPN for years before he went to the athletic. Mike Sando has tons of connections and we'll invite Mike Sando. I think normally every year when he does this, we end up having Mike Sando on that week. And we'll invite Mike Sando to come on this week, but what I'm going to struggle with, admittedly, is there's a part of me that would say to Mike Sando, if you were doing polling, um, what's what's a what's a, a political hot button issue right now, Griffin? What's something that people are debating that, um, I mean, not a, not a candidate, but like an actual topic? I guess. Uh Roe v. Wade. Okay, fine. It's, I, that's, that, that's, that's pretty quite the hot button. Yeah. But yes, like, and um, and and you asked someone who you deem to be an expert about the subject, someone who maybe worked at um, you know, a crisis pregnancy center, or someone who uh, you know, was an activist, um, defending a woman's right to choose, whatever it was, and you talk to a person. And that expert said, uh, I believe that we should uh, 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 burn uh, everyone to death that uh, it says the word abortion. Would you run with that in your story? Or would you say, maybe this person isn't qualified for me to quote them? And that's, I get it, I'm... I'm going to an obvious extreme with this and there's no direct comparison because again one of these subjects matters one of them is ranking quarterbacks like i i'm purposely playing to an extreme i'm not trying to pretend like there's some sort of apples to apples 
But my issue with Mike Sando quoting this defensive coordinator is I would be forced to say back, like, dude, you're insane. I, I, I got to throw your vote out. Because clearly, the people that are employing you are idiots. If he has to win the game, they ain't winning the game. Well, other than all of the games that they've won. I mean, other than that, yeah, that's a great point. It, it nailed it. Like, if he has to win the game. Because what I think we would all agree is yeah. that the Ravens have largely won in spite of Lamar Jackson. Right? That's And that you, of course, saw that when Lamar Jackson got hurt. And they were so much better offensively in those four games without Lamar Jackson because they've been winning in spite of Lamar Jackson. Because if they, sorry, if he has to pass to win the game, they ain't winning the game. Like, for example, the Colts game last right, year. Yeah, that was my when, first thought as soon as I he heard had, that. When he had like, to pass, clearly they crapped the bed. Or, for example, during his MVP season, when he became only the second quarterback of all time to have two perfect passer ratings in a game. Because if you have to pass, he's screwed. We He can't do it. We know that. That's obvious. He's so unique as an athlete, and he's a really good football player, but I don't give an S if he wins league MVP 12 times. I don't think he'll ever be a one as a quarterback. I, I don't know how to tell you this. There's no way of getting around this. If you're listening to this and you think to yourself, you know, that guy might have a point. You're a racist. And I don't like throwing that word around. I don't like just using it casually, but there's no getting around this. You don't get to define what a quarterback is because the guy doesn't do the same things that John Unitas did. The quarterback is a position on the field. And as much as it apparently pains you, some of them can also run. Josh Allen does a lot of it. But no one seems to think it's a detriment to him. For some reason, I can't imagine what. I can't imagine what that reason is. It's a detriment for Lamar Jackson. Not for Josh Allen. It's a detriment for Lamar Jackson. Who we continue to just say asinine things about because we're incapable of saying he's a really great quarterback. Because it causes us to challenge what a quarterback is. so gross it's just so gross and so pathetic and so sad and it's so i i wish i didn't have to talk about racism not because it isn't real because it's not something that i much want to talk about we do a sports show we can't get around it There's no other possible answer because all of this is bunk. I 
I don't blame Rita for the way that she lost her mind yesterday at all. I don't blame her at all. I'm glad she did it. I'm glad. Because this is nonsense. It's nonsense. The way we still try to do anything to minimize Lamar Jackson. There is no debate about Lamar Jackson. He is a great quarterback. Does he need to improve? Of course. Josh Allen didn't win the Super Bowl yet either. I get it. I mean, like, he came 13 seconds away from taking down Patrick Mahomes a year ago, but he didn't win the Super Bowl either. Hasn't been to one. I hope Lamar Jackson wins Super Bowls. I can't promise it. Dan Marino never won one. Pretty great quarterback. It's Kevin Van Valkenburg's line, by the way. I've always stuck with it. But Jesus Christ. The, the just say anything. The nonsense that we spew. I, I can't. I can't. Hour number one of today's show is in the books. It has been brought to you by... Simply the Bets. Simply the Bets returns tomorrow morning at 11.40 a.m. It's brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Look forward to uh, getting you ready for the week in betting, making some money on the fights, on baseball, everything else that's going on. Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning, 11.40 a.m. Weekend at Bookies returns this week as well, Thursday morning, 11.40 a.m. All brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Rob Long joins us next. We're going to talk some Orioles with him. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org. Hey O's fans, get to Oriole Park early on Friday, August 5th at 7.05 when the first 20,000 fans 15 and over will receive a Cedric Mullins 30-30 Club bobblehead presented by Masson. Celebrate Cedric Mullins' historic 2021 season when he became the first player in Orioles history to join the 30-30 Club with 30 home runs and 30 stolen bases. Tickets start as low as $15. What better way to cheer on the Silver Slugger than at the ballpark that forever changed baseball? Buy tickets at Orioles.com slash tickets. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at pressboxonline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a 
wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. The latest edition of Pressbox is available now, and it's our very first Salute to Coaches issue. On the cover, we recognize Ravens coach John Harbaugh ahead of his 15th season. Also inside, find tributes to Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo, UMBC soccer coach Pete Karinji, Maryland soccer coach Sasha Sorovsky, and field hockey coach Missy Maharg, Mount St. Joe basketball coach Pat Clatchy, and poly basketball coach Kendall Peace. We also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerl, the athletes who lives these coaches have impacted, offering insights on what makes them special and why they've stood the test of time. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. To follow the show on Instagram, it's just Glenn Clark Radio. And to follow the show on OnlyFans, wait, I don't think you're supposed to know about that one. Any hoodle. Take it away, boys. All right, back in here on GCR as I continue to try to get my way through this with the voice that I have. Today's show is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. The summer seasonal menu is available at Glory Days Grill. It is fantastic. It includes the opener, the flash fried pork belly, the Korean number two sauce. It includes the lobster roll with the grilled corn, the lobster and crab fries. Cracker Jack Sunday with waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. It's all available right now at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill or get your order in glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, which is right down the street from us, and I've already made a trip over since we moved in. Great food, good sports. <clears throat> from Dan. Dan says, Glenn was listening yesterday. I heard Rita lose her mind. Don't blame her whatsoever. It doesn't surprise me that national types are still trying to back up their own opinions about Lamar Jackson, and because so many people were so wrong about him, they are now trying to make it seem like he was nothing but a flash in the pan. What surprises me is when people do it locally, it's like, did you not watch what the Ravens were for years until Lamar arrived? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean... I think that we've the the take the takeization of sports conversation has led to everyone believing that they're Stephen A. Smith or they're Skip Bayless or they're Colin Coward. If I've got a Twitter account, I I, I can be just like them. And I can get attention and I can say whatever I want to say and it matters not whether there's any remote amount of fact involved i can i can say anything um I, like rita some time ago i i just i kind of got out of the fray right like i really did i just kind of got out of the fray 
In the same way that you'll never, you can never send me anything that Skip Bayless says and get me to care. I don't care. With all due respect, that's not a real person. That's a carnival barker. That's a professional wrestler. That's someone who just, it's, it's an actor. It's someone who said, and I don't know, I, there are probably plenty of things that Skip Bayless, the person on television, says that the actual person, Skip Bayless, believes. I don't know. I don't know Skip Bayless that well. I don't care. I don't care to. But I don't respond to people that are just saying anything for the sake of saying anything. And because we all want, not we all, so many people, even just normal Joes, want to be like Skip Bayless because Skip Bayless gets paid an extreme amount of money to say nonsensical sports things on television. I'm getting to a place where I more commonly don't choose to fight with the people that just say anything. I think there's constantly room for debate. I think there's constantly room for um, discussion and for opinions and all sorts of things. And we can have a, a, a plenty of back and forth. Do the Ravens need to sign another wide receiver? Whatever it is. But some things are settled fact. And there's no room in there for debate. Is Lamar Jackson a great quarterback? There's no room there. And this nonsense, it's just saying things for the sake of saying it. All right. Um, been a while. Good to catch up. I mean, this man had to change his shirt so many times this weekend. My God. It was so miserable. I felt bad for him. I looked up at one point yesterday while we were doing the radio show, and I saw he was wearing black. I'm like, oh, my God. It's, it's a... It's a heat index of like 117, and he's wearing a black polo shirt in the in the sun at a baseball game. I don't know how he survived all of it. It's still not real work, though, and I know how much he loves it. He's our buddy Rob Long from 105.7 The Fan in Mass, and, and he's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, pal? Nothing much, man. How you doing? Dude, how many shirts did you sweat through this weekend? It's... Um... Actually, it's not that bad because I'm, in the ca- I'm at the camera well. The magic of television. I'm at the camera well for maybe 15 minutes. Oh, okay. And I'm out. And then are you back up in the press uh, box then? I, I kind of get around the stadium a little bit, but for the most part, I'm, I'm over there on the matching set uh, for television. Uh, you know, people ask me about the suit. How do you wear a suit? It's on for 30 minutes. And then it's off. And then it's back on for the post-game show for 30 minutes. So it's not that long. Dude, I had to do, I, or I say I had to. I, 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 was, I did the uh, Women's Lacrosse World Championships for ESPN a couple weeks ago, and they said, hey, well, the thing is, you got you to gotta wear a suit, right? And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'll do it. The, the booth is outside above the stadium at Towson. It's, it's out in the heat. And it was that I week know, when, it, yeah, you've done games there. Like, it's six billion degrees outside. And I'm doing 20-second on-camera hits. Like, 20 seconds on camera. And so I just say at halftime of the first game, like, 
what are we doing here? What the hell is this? <laughs> I know I'm a low man on the totem pole here. Like, I understand. I'm just the guy that happened to be local, so you invited me over to be a part of it, and I appreciate that. Very kind of you. Thank you. But, like, maybe, maybe <laughs> we go with a polo shirt for the second game. <laughs> like, See, I got, I got to think about that. I think when you're in the booth, like, if you're doing what I do sometimes on the game and you're, like, on the field, then be comfortable. But I think when you're in the booth, I think in the booth is a shirt and tie. Man. Shirt and tie assignment. It is. I, I would, booth, okay. You know, you're driving it. Then, then get me, like, five fans that can run during the course of the game. That's what you don't know, Glenn. I, I have these little cool, quiet fans. Okay. So there you go. And yeah, that goes along with it. When I'm on the set, when I'm on the set, they sit down at my ankles. And I have them on each side of me, and they blow straight that, up. That that goes a long so, way. So when you see Ben McDonald sweating profusely, right, and you're wondering why is Rob not set, uh, sweating, it's because I have two fans blowing directly. At that's me. the play. That is the play. There's a quiet man. There you go. That's the play. I like everything about that. How you doing, bud? Everything good? <laughs> I can't complain, man. Like you said, it's not real work. Yep. Yep. Still get to do this. It does not suck. It does not suck. All right. Um, this weekend, I, you know, it's tough because we're in this place. I said this today, and I wrote about it at PressBoxOnline.com. I, I am in a weird place where before the season, there was no way this team could hurt me, right? Like, how could this team hurt me? But admittedly, I was actually a little disappointed, like, this weekend. And I know that that's unfair and this is the Yankees and their, you know, murderer's row. And, you know, Aaron Judge is having the greatest offensive season in the history of baseball. Maybe they shouldn't pitch to him. Like, I understand it's unfair to be disappointed by losing two out of three at home to the Yankees for a team you don't expect anything from. But but I, I was in a weird way. I was still somehow bummed out about it despite knowing better. And I don't know how to explain that it's both a, a statement about how improbable what it is this team has done but also sort of the reality of the circumstances that, hey, no matter how you got here, you're here. We're invested now. We're going to want to see you win. Well, let me, let, me, let me go back to something to bring you back to reality. I'm going to respond to something that you threw out there, and hopefully it gives you a dose of reality. They shouldn't pitch to him. Okay, you know why they're pitching to him? At some point, we want Tyler Wells to get him out. Sure. Well, get him out sure. now. Get him out now. At some point, you want Dean Kramer to get him out. So get him out now. I mean, if you if you don't pitch to him and you walk him, where, where are you going? I mean, what are you? What are we accomplishing here? At some point, you want these guys to sack up and get these guys out. It was the problem wasn't that you the problem wasn't that you pitched to him. The problem was that you hung a curveball. I get that. That that was and so. What the the lesson that you learned that Dean Kramer learns. Is you can't you can't hang that curveball there. He struck him out twice, but he hung that one curveball, and it was the death of him. Same thing with Tyler Wells. It's the, the problem is these guys have to learn to pitch to him. So in a season where in which they aren't expected to do anything, now's the time to do it. Next year, when you're six games back of the Yankees, then you don't pitch to them. But now when you're you know a gazillion games back, you know a BD Siegel rapper. One said, we climb from the bottom just to make it to the bottom. So that's that's what the Orioles are. They did all of this. They just climb all these all the long winning streaks and, and the winning month here, winning month there. Guess where they are. Right, but they Last would, place. But, the, but their trend since, say, the arrival of Adley Rutschman, if that could continue, would say that they're not going to stay in last place. And I get it. That's, 
this is the difficult part, right? Because I kept saying all week, a right. week ago, it's unrealistic. It's not like, or unlikely is the better word. It's unlikely that this team, with such a small margin for error and being what they are on paper, was really going to make a push towards the playoffs. But it's not impossible, and we can't. It, it's right. a very difficult situation to deny the situation that you're in, right? Like the the Red Sox look to be more of a mess than the Orioles are. There there are spots yeah. to be had. To get into the playoffs, you only have to play the Yankees one more time all season. You, there is opportunity in front of you to do something. Glenn, um, you just, I'm going to give you another dose of reality. The Red Sox are trending in the opposite direction 100%, the Royals. 100%. And they're still better. For now. <laughs> for now. Better. For now. I mean, like. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just trying to let you know that although they want to win for the sake of young guys knowing how to win, learning how to win, going to the playoffs to wild card is probably not top five of the objectives right now. This is, this is by the way, you and I, we can have a fascinating conversation about this because I, <laughs> Rob, I get it. I get what you're saying. And I said many times at the beginning of the year, the priority is 2023, right? Like every decision that I make, when everybody was screaming about Grayson Rodriguez, I was like, hey, let's look at the innings. Let's let's think about this. My priority is always going to be about 2023. But I almost feel like you have an obligation. Once you're in a certain position to say, whatever the priorities have been, we have to acknowledge what's here. We have to react to where we are and make decisions based on, not reckless decisions. I'm not, Rob, I'm not the guy that's screaming like they should go out and try to trade for pitching at the deadline or something. I mean, that's nuts, right? Yeah, I think, like, I think you're right to a certain extent. It's up to Brandon Hyde to react to that. Yep. It's not up to Michael Elias to react to that. Michael Elias and the organization, they have a plan. And it's up to Michael Elias to go about that plan, regardless of what's going on. It's up to Brandon Hyde to go according to what's happening right now. That's why he plays his bullpen the way he does. Sure. That's why he lines him up that way. You know I mean, there was no, there was, you know who the real closer on this team is? Batista? The real closer is Batista. Yeah. Batista. I'm going to give you an example. Um, how many times do you see Jorge Lopez coming in the eighth inning? You see it a lot, don't you? Mm-hmm. But when they face the Angels and you had Mike Trout and Shohei in the same inning in the eighth inning, there was no doubt in, the, in, in your mind, in my mind, that Batista was going to be the guy to face them. Because that's your real closer. All right? That's what the say was earned. So you see Brandon Hyde lining things up like that. That's his job. But that's not, that's not Michael Lies' job. Michael Lies' job is to make the organization's success sustainable. And right now, as good as this team is, I don't think they're good enough to sustain this. So I okay, Rob Long is with us here in Glenn Clark Radio. I largely agree with you. I do think that Mike Elias has to at least in some way consider this in the decisions that he makes, which is not, you know, to your point, I think they absolutely could trade Jorge Lopez and say, hey, we think we've got another guy that could slide in and be that guy next year. And if we can get some sort of ransom for Jorge Lopez, we're going to do it. But the Trey Mancini conversation is the one that's far more fascinating to me because I have maintained, and no one has given me evidence to the contrary, you are just not getting anything of significance for Trey Mancini. Teams would be happy. I agree. They'd be happy to have him. They'd take one more bat. But they're not giving up something for Trey Mancini. So two months ago, 
I would say, hey, take whatever you can get. But now, yeah, I'm 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 off that. What what are we doing? What why are you just trading Trey Mancini to take something? Trey Mancini can opt out for next year. I think he will opt out next year because someone will pay him when they have to pay him any have to give you anything for him. So I'm right now at the point where I would give you him for a bag of balls because you're not even going to get that if you let him walk. You're not going to pay Trey Mancini. You know why? Because you got to pay Mullins. You got to pay Austin Hayes. You got to pay Mountcastle. You got to pay too many guys. You got to pay Adley Rushman. So now you look at Trey Mancini. You look at those guys. You look at Mancini. You think, nah, I'm not paying you. So if you get a bag of balls or a pack of nabs and some crap, a pack of nabs and a Coke, then go ahead and get them. Get it for him because you never know what that's going to turn into. Keep in mind, Adley Santander, Wells, Tyler Wells, they're Rule 5 guys. Yep. So you never know what you're going to get in a trade. Uh, go go after one of these young international kids that you coveted, but you lost out because th- three years ago, the Orioles didn't know how to do things internationally. But go you, get one of those guys. I, and I hear you, but aren't there plenty of examples of the times you did that and it didn't work out too? You know what I mean? Like Jose Morban was a Rule 5 guy too. You know, like it's not like every Rule 5 guy they've ever taken. By the way, I'm going to be the only guy in, in the city that references Jose Morban this week. I promise you yeah. that. Um, like I, that but, to but me Jose, is. But the thing about it is, Trey Mancini's not going to work. Not after this year. Not long term. But that. But this, this to me is where, like, it's um, y- you know, I, I try to think of the, the term that I'm looking to use for it. That <laughs> it, it's in the margin of error, right? Like the the what you could do if you say, hey, look, we're not getting much for him anyway. Why don't we just run this thing out and see what happens? What you're missing out on is so minimal that there's no chance to me it's going to end up being make or break in whether or not this thing works three years down the road. You know what I mean? Like that. In rebuild, when you're in rebuild, you have to uh, turn over every stone. And trading Trey Mancini for a prospect is a stone that you got to turn over. Keep in mind, I don't care what race you're in right now. Your, your race, will we race for the third wild card spot? It's still rebuild. And, and you have to go, if you're Mike Elias, you, you have to go according to the plan. And remember, we're in rebuild. This is great. These guys are learning how to win. However, we're in rebuild. I feel like this has got to be phase two, though, Rob. Like, this is, I wrote a little bit about this. I feel like you got to be preparing to transition to the next phase of what a rebuild is. And that continuing... I, I've said all along, I think it's time for this team to sign somebody, to, to stick the, the flag oh, in yeah, the ground all and say... In the offseason, I'm with you. I, I just, I don't know that I'm comfortable still using the word rebuild anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I think this has got to be... Now, how many, if, if this is phase two, how many phases are you going personally to phase two? Oh, I think there's, your mind, there's, how there's, many, there's three phases. There's, there's the phase where you just well, break this, everything this, down and rip it all apart, you know, down to the studs, and just lose and draft. And then this is the phase where you start making the decisions and the moves that set yourself up for phase three, which is contention. Okay, if it's just for the sake of argument, if, if, if they have all three phases, then I don't think that second phase begins until the offseason. 2022 is not second phase. It's not. You just drafted number one overall again this year. To me, 2023, going into that season, between 22 and 23, that's your second phase. That's when you go and you kick a tire or two to see who's who out there in free agency. Uh, that's when maybe you leverage one of the big prospects you have along with a mid-level prospect and get someone with three or four years left on their contract. That's when you do that in the offseason. 
this is not phase two in 2022, in my opinion. He's still maybe at the end of one, but he's not shifting gears yet, I don't think. No, I'm, you might be right about that. And again, we're going to learn more, obviously, a, a week from now. I, and in more, it's me saying I think that you should be. I, I, I think I lined this up before the season by saying the moment Adley Rutschman gets here, if Adley Rutschman is the player that we think he is, and we certainly have seen a lot of signs that he very well is. I mean, we're not there yet. Like, he's not in Mike Piazza combined with Pudge Rodriguez yet, but we're seeing lots of things that make us think that he might very well be that guy. Um, he's the truth. Oh, he's, he's absolutely He's unbelievable. He's, un- he's unbelievable. Melina didn't start focusing on his offensive game until his third or fourth year. Right. You know, you, you got to learn the game behind the plate first. Right. Oh, and it's 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 what he's doing for this pitching staff and his, all of it. There's it's just so much to like about Adley Rutschman. And, yeah, we know he can hit. Like, we've seen it. Yes, the average is still not great because he got off to such a difficult start. But, my God, we have seen the man can hit. So... If, to me, his arrival marks the beginning of Phase 2, because the reality is until you prove otherwise, you've got a limited amount of time here. And I hope that the Orioles keep Adley Rutschman around long-term, right? But until you do that, you got a five-year window. That's your window with that guy until you change that. And I hope they do. And I hope that we see those things. That's why I talk about the value of signing players. As electric as it was when Adley Rutschman arrived, dude, if they announced that they had signed Adley Rutschman for eight years... There would be a mob scene at the ballpark t- tomorrow night. You know what I mean? Like, it would be insane, the excitement that would surround this team by doing something along those Absolutely. lines. Absolutely. You know, the bypass arbitration, that kind of forward thinking. Yep. It would be great. You know what I mean? That's, that's, what, that's what fans want. And I think I think you're going to start seeing that moving forward, Glenn. Some of these kids are going to want to get paid right off the back. I think Adley would be one of those guys you try to bypass, you know, you know maybe – um, Garcia. I mean, I think. I mean, Rodriguez. I think some mm-hmm. of these guys, you you have to bypass arbitration to lock them up for some time. I agree. I agree. I think. I think that those have got to be. That's the next step in this to me. That's the when you show the commitment. When you show the hey, this is not. I, I say this, Rob, I have no reason to think that the Orioles are trying to become the Miami Marlins, right? I have no reason to believe that they just want to keep dumping salary and they never, this isn't really a rebuild as much as it is, we just want to be cheap. I have no reason to think that. But you still have to prove it, right? Like, you still have to go do what's necessary to say to your fan base, hey, we, we are, there is a, going to be a there there. There is a point to all of this, and we're going to get there. And you got to show us not just that you drafted players, but that you're willing to take those next steps to say, hey, we're going to create a window to try to go win a World Series. And that's the part that I think is the next phase, right? The phase two is announcing, hey, we are setting ourselves up to have a three-year window where we believe we're going to have a shot at winning a World Series. Absolutely. I think they will. All right, well, we came to something. Oh, you know what? I got a listener question, though. Hang on. This is from uh, JC in the Outer Banks. Rob, when is D.L. Hall making his debut? (laughs) <laughs> uh, that goes back from Jeremy Conn to everyone on Twitter that, that I'm the guy that calls him up. Um, <laughs> it'll be, it'll be, I, I'm predicting um, by mid-August. I, I looked at the schedule last week and I saw there's a Friday night game against the Pirates in the big, like early August. And if there's ever yeah. like a team that you look at and say, hey, who's a good team for someone to make their debut against? I would say the Pirates would be pretty high on that list. I would say I would have to I would have to line up the rotation to see how he falls in that. Yeah, it's about the way, I, I would think by mid August. August fifth is that date against the Pirates that I'm I'm I'm, okay. I'm identifying. 
What else is going on in your world? Nope. What's, what's happening on the show this week? You got you got rid of Khan, so you guys can actually like do some some real radio, right? <laughs> no, Khan will be back next week, so he's on vacation. Uh, we're talking Orioles tomorrow. Players uh, for the Ravens they report, so you know you know this is like Christmas for Ed Norris. So we'll talk a lot of Ravens training camp as well. And then uh, and we'll you, see if Kevin Durant actually traded to the Celtics. Yeah, well, I don't know about that. I, I'm 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 giving up hope. This is a very sad day. I think you know I'm a huge Phoenix Suns fan. So we're all convinced that the Aiton thing basically put the nail in the coffin for Durant. I'm very disappointed about oh, that. Very it disappointed did. about that. Um, and then are you on TV this week? Uh, I'll be back Friday okay. uh, briefly, and then next week I'll make another long run. Excellent. At Rob Long Sports is how you follow him on Twitter. Always appreciate you, brother. Thanks for doing this. You're the man. Anytime. Rob Long checking in with us here on GCR. It's a fascinating conversation about exactly where you are. Rob is more inclined to say, look, you still got to get whatever you can get. And, and I'm, I'm no longer there. I've, I've moved from there. Which, to me, I feel very differently about the Jorge Lopez conversation and the Trey Mancini conversation based on the asset that I think you can get in return. I think Jorge Lopez could truly be an asset. And if you dangle Jorge Lopez out there, and what you see in response from the other teams is we're willing to give you a lot. I'm far more inclined to trade Jorge Lopez. And to be fair, if there's more to be, I, I said this every time, if there is someone who really wants to give up true value for Trey Mancini, I'm listening. But my point is very specific. I no longer need to make trades for the sake of making trades. Trying to win outweighs trades for the sake of trades. And I do feel differently about Trey Mancini and Jordan Lyles as well, right? Like Jordan Lyles, although we see it again this weekend. God, maybe I might just start changing my mind about Jordan Lyles. Jeez, it's amazing, isn't it? Guy looks like he's terrible, like he just doesn't have it. All of a sudden, six innings later, you're like, what the hell just happened? How did this guy somehow manage to get through this thing? I don't understand that at all. Makes no bloody sense, man. Um, but that's that's okay. I, th- by the way, this goes back to the segment we did before. I can have a different opinion than Rob, and we can have a conversation about it, and I think that's warranted. If Rob had said, the, or- the Orioles will never be good, they can't win a game, which, of course, he would never do that, then it's absurd, and I'm not going to engage with that. Today's show. Boy. Yeah. I am I am limping. Limping. The Orioles broke some news uh, while oh, we did were they? talking with Rob. They, they recalled a left-handed pitcher from Norfolk. Yeah, it, okay, so tell me who. It was Nick Vespi. Okay. I like Nick. Good guy. like Nick Vespi. Uh, today's show also brought to you by the Stand the Fan Variety Hour, which returns tonight. Uh, Ross is back tonight, so they're just going to catch up. Stan and Ross, they haven't done a show together in a little bit. So the two of them will get together just to sort of break down where the Orioles are ahead of the deadline, decisions that might be made. Stan and Ross talking baseball tonight, uh, facebook.com slash Sports. And then on Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein will be catching up with Maryland football coach Mike Loxley. Again, that will be available. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And the next day, PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Uh, Bo Smolka joining us next, correct? PressBox Ravens beat writer. We, uh, training camp gets underway tomorrow. We'll preview it with Bo. It's Glenn Clark Radio. 
Hey, Birdland, join in on the fun and celebrate the 30th anniversary of Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Saturday, August 6th, as the O's take on the Pittsburgh Pirates at 5.05. The first 15,000 fans 15 and over will receive a 30th anniversary Oriole Park t-shirt. Then stay post-game for the Birdland Summer Music Series presented by Miller Lite, I Love the 90s Concert, featuring Drew Hill with a special performance by Cisco and Smash Mouth. Tickets start as low as $15 at Orioles.com slash tickets. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. Get your tickets now for the premier high school lacrosse games of the year. The 17th annual All-America Lacrosse Boys and Girls Senior All-Star Games will be on Saturday, July 30th at Johns Hopkins Historic Homewood Field. This is your chance to see the future lacrosse stars up close and in person as they showcase why they are the best in the country. Go to allamericalacrosse.com and get your tickets now. That first sip, that first bite, mm. starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley and I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So join us live on the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. It's statistically proven that the show sounds better if you're not wearing pants. Like me. Right now. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. Thanks again to Rob Long for checking in with us. Um, the Ravens make an announcement this morning that they are making a change in their broadcast booth. We saw last summer Rod Woodson join the preseason uh, broadcast crew. I believe it was a three-man booth because I believe Mike Nolan was part of it too. Um, but Rod Woodson you know, came back and was part of the, the preseason broadcast team a year ago. Apparently, Rod Woodson is going to replace um, Femi Ayan and Rod Woodson is going to become the 
permanent radio color analyst for the Ravens. Now, for the most part, that's not all that impactful. I mean, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anybody over any of our friends at WBAL or 98 Rock. There are so few people. This is not like baseball. There are so few people that listen to games on the radio that most of you that care passionately about the Ravens probably don't care who's broadcasting the games on the radio because it's such a small chance you'll ever be listening to a game on the radio. We, we plan our week around making sure we're in front of a television to watch Ravens games. The more casual people, the people that don't, you know, that wouldn't likely be listening to this show, this maybe impacts them a little bit. Baseball, there's just so many games that inevitably you're going to listen to games on the radio. The only thing that's disappointing about it to me is when people don't live here. I, I, I just love the idea of the people that are involved in the broadcast being in the community and touching people and creating relationships and develop. I like Rod Woodson. I think he's incredibly smart. He's very good um, as an analyst. I also think he's going to be coaching in the XFL next season. Um, I like Rod Woodson, but Rod doesn't live here. And and I just I think it's better for the community to have the broadcasters. It's one thing that like when Kevin Brown said, "Hey, when I got the job, found out I was going to be doing this um, full time, I needed to be here. I needed to move to Baltimore." Because you got to have those relationships. It's I just think it's important. So that's the only bummer for me. Femi was from here and was around, and people had stories with him and could meet him somewhere. I just think it's a bummer when somebody that doesn't live here ends up being the person that's put into that role. So. That's all. I'm not trying to grandstand about it. I don't. I think there are far bigger problems. That's just my only thought about that news this morning. Because again, for the most part, our audience, most of you are people that will be setting your schedule around watching the games and not likely to be listening to them much, if at all. All right. Speaking of the Ravens, uh, training camp officially gets underway this week. Joining us now to offer us a bit of a preview, he is Pressbox Ravens beat writer and our friend, Mr. Bo Smolka. Bo, it's good to talk to you, my man. How's your summer been? Good morning. I'm good. Thank you. What have you been up to? What have you been doing this summer? How do you when you get some well, time, see, travel? I uh, I missed the June mini camp because I had COVID. Um, my <laughs> daughter and I took a long. My daughter and I took a cross country train ride oh, I did from see Baltimore that. to Montana. I did see that. And then at the tail end of that, I ended up with COVID, so I missed train. I missed the June mini camp. I was laid up in the quarantine unit here at home. Um, we're headed to the beach for a few days, which I had already scheduled before we knew the training camp schedule. And then my son goes on a semester abroad right after that. And then we're in the grind of August. So summer's just for all intents and purposes, when you're in the NFL, the summer kind of ends starting tomorrow. Yeah, that's the way it works. So give me the, the, the first practice is Wednesday, correct? That's correct. Well, veterans, uh, rookies reported last Tuesday. All the veterans are expected to report uh, tomorrow. They have to be in by tomorrow. And then the first official practice is, is Wednesday afternoon. I, I know Lamar Jackson reported last week. There's There are still people that will say, well, you know, that he could, he could hold in because that's the new hip thing. Is there any reason at all for us to think that there is some world in which Lamar Jackson shows up a week early and then just sort of casually decides on Wednesday, yeah, but I'm, I'm not going to bother to practice? I don't have any indication that anything like that is happening, and he's so hard to, you know, he so, keeps everything so close to the vest. Um, all indications are he's not intending to do anything like that. I mean, again, the, the part of it is who's advising him, and, and, and we don't really know who's advising him other than, you know, his close family and so forth. He doesn't have an agent as far as we know. 
Um, but I think t- when you hear him, and again, I missed the mini camp that he was at after he didn't go to OTAs, but um, you just get the sense he wants to be here working with these guys. And, and he knows that, I mean, everyone knows that this year is what it is for him. Um, it's an extremely important year. He's going to be highly scrutinized in all ways, even more so than he has been already, which has pretty much happened since the day one of his rookie year. Um, but it, it, it seems likely to me that he'll be out there. Uh, I don't know if there'll be times he won't be out there part of the time, but um, I don't have any indication that he's, that he's playing any kind of a protest. Do we do we work under the assumption that if we get to the start of training camp and nothing's got done, that that means that it's probably not going to happen until after the season is over? Or I, I know I'm asking you a question you can't possibly answer because to your point, we just have so little. They are so close to the vest; it's hard to know. I just feel like historically, the Ravens have not been the team to be doing a lot of these things in season. I don't, and I don't think it's even more complicated, too, because it's not like they can be off to the side working with the agent on any of this. Right. If, he's, if, it, if it's truly Jackson, I mean, if, if he's not an agent involved, I mean, they got to worry about games and practices and so forth, and they can't be worried so much about, with Jackson especially, personally, all the, all the contract stuff. I would think, my own, my own thought is, and no one's told me this, my thought is, yes, if nothing happens before the season begins, nothing happens until after the season ends. That's just the sense that I have. Um, because, as you said, when, when, when are they going to actually get around to sitting down to doing it? Once the season starts, it's just grind after grind, day after right. day, every week, uh, except maybe the bye week. But um, that's my sense, is that it, nothing would happen until after the season. But I will say, whether they like it or not, they're going to be bombarded with questions like this until it does happen. Um, and I know they'll grow frustrated with them. They'll grow yep. tired of them. Yep. But, they're, but they aren't going to go away. No, it's the reality. That's absolutely the reality. And, and, they're, and, and they're necessary, right? Like, this is, this is what, what happens. By the way, it's, the, it's a good problem to have because the alternative is you don't have a quarterback, right? Like, nobody's concerned about whether or not you're keeping around because we all know the answer. The guy you have isn't good enough. So, you know, it's a good problem to have. Bo Smolka with us on GCR. Bo, the calendar itself for camp, I, am I correct in that this Saturday night, it, so we know all of the passes for Owings Mills were already claimed. So if you didn't get one of those, the only opportunity you have is the, the open practice Saturday night at the stadium, correct? That is correct. Now, I had heard, I, had, I saw something the Ravens put out about the passes from the stadium were also all claimed. And I'm, I, oh, needed, really? I meant to clarify that, and I hadn't. Oh. Um, so I'm sorry I didn't know this answer in advance of that because I didn't know in the past there hasn't been, as, to my knowledge, any kind of a cap on the stadium practice. Yeah, I didn't so know I that either. So I should try to clarify that and let you know. Um, but, yes, you're correct. That all the passes of this, for all the passes Owings Mills were claimed within a minute when they first went on sale. and Or not on sale. They were given away. They're, not, they're no cost. Um, and then there is the stadium practice on Saturday. I'm going to try to look that up while we're on here. But. My understanding, yes, Saturday no, night right. is the stadium practice. You're right. No, the website says they've been claimed. You're right. You're 100% right, Bo. There so, is, so I don't I don't remember that being a case before, and I don't know what is that. Why I had meant to follow up with them and say, hey, what's the cap about? Right. Um, but so that's – if true, that's kind of a shame. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's a big stadium. You'd think they could have enough people in there to watch. It's just a practice. But anyway, yeah, the stadium practice Saturday night and the um, – the practice is open to the public. I think, believe there's 16 of them at the complex. The first one is Wednesday. 
Um, let's talk about some specific areas in this team. Let me start with running back, Bo. We saw um, J.K. Dobbins almost oddly, and I'm, I'm not trying to take a shot at him, but like it, his response to what was a very innocuous report from Ian Rappaport was quite explosive last week and, and referenced God, and it was just very over the top when all that was really said was like, hey, it's, it's not a certainty that he's going to be back for week one. Um, he's not living a lot of wiggle room. He believes he's ready. I, I guess the question would be, in trying to do some of the math and where did Ian Rappaport get his information, is it possible that no matter how Jake, strongly J.K. Dobbins feels, there's another side of this where the Ravens are saying, yeah, but we, are not, we don't need to rush you back. Week one might not be the priority for them the way that it is for J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, I, I, it's hard. I mean, they've... It was interesting to hear Dobbins react that way, and I don't know if there's just kind of um, any kind of frustration with with that they plan to bring him along slowly. That he, I mean, I imagine if you're J.K. Dobbins and you've been sitting around rehabbing for months and months and months, you're itching to get back on the field, and yeah. you don't want to hear people say you may not be ready. So there may be a personal kind of pride and determination thing to do that. From the outset, John Harbaugh has said, and Eric DaCosta said earlier this spring, you know, we are not going to rush it with these guys. I remember listening to Eric DaCosta after the season spoke, or maybe it his pre-draft news conference, whichever one, and you got the sense that he, he, he talked very cautiously about the running back. So I thought, oh, that kind of sounds like they may not be ready for week one, or they're not going to rush them back. Um, Dobbins says, absolutely, I'm going to be ready for week one. So uh, I, it's, it, they will have to make that determination over the course of the next month if he's ready. And, and if he is, what kind of workload does he get in that last week or so of training camp? Um, and we'll see. But yeah, Dobbins' reaction was very interesting. He's obviously, you know, pretty determined to go at good, be there on week one. But for whatever reason, right. uh, Rappaport saying he may or may not be ready really kind of set him off, and that was interesting. And 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 again, I'm just, I'm not I don't know anything. You just try to do some of the math on that, and like Ian Rappaport didn't make that up out of thin air, right? Like we we know Ian Rappaport is is well sourced and he's plenty plugged in. He's not just making something up and based on how J.K. Dobbins responded, it probably didn't come from J.K. Dobbins' camp, right? So I, I think we would then know where it came from, and if that's the case, is it just a possibility that two sides, and to your point, was, he, was the frustration that we saw from J.K. Dobbins a reflection of he doesn't want to be told, hey, we're not going to rush you, he's ready to go? I, again, we can't answer those questions, but it was certainly interesting the way that it all unfolded from what was a fairly innocuous report. Today, Bo, the Ravens clear some cap space, convert uh, you know seven-plus million dollars of Marlon Humphrey's salary into a bonus. I-, I think the first thing to say is they needed to come up with some cap space because they're going to have to sign a free street free agent at some point, and they only had $700,000 worth of space in order to do it. But this is a bigger chunk of money than that. Is there any reason to think there might be another move pending? I mean, it is a decent chunk of money. It adds, I think, $7 million to their cap space. And to your point, yeah, they, I mean, they, you know, Marlon Humphrey's contract was one of the ones that had the most wiggle room. So if you're looking for cap space, that one's the more logical ones to do. And the drawback, of course, is by converting this to a signing bonus, you've effectively pushed some of this money down the road and his cap numbers will become larger in future years. That's kind of how the salary cap signing bonus math works. Um, but they need the money now. As you said, they were under a million dollars in cap space, according to the latest figures that the NFLPA puts out. That's not much room. And 
as you said, if you just want to bring in a couple guys that you need, or a couple guys get hurt, you need to bring in an extra guy. You're not talking a blue chip free agent. You're talking about just a guy. You, you need some money for that. Yep. Um, to to your point, are they are they is there a big signing out there? I mean, I don't know, right? If you're is still out there available now, yes. Uh, how, how much money could it really there's cost? Some names right. out there, of course. There's some names out there, um, and I, I imagine they will continue to shuffle this roster. There'll be people brought in. Um, you know, people have mentioned Aldo Beckham, Jason Beer, Paul, whoever these people are. Uh, I, I don't see that. I don't see this move as being one made with the design on, on signing a specific player. I'll say that. I think it was looked to say, you know what, this is a move we can make. And we have, by doing this, now we have some room. We have some breathing room. We can bring in a couple guys if we need to. And it's not because if they, if they, if they made just a little bit of room available and now they have to find three more guys, now they have to make another move somehow. Um, and uh, I, my fit, my sense is they needed the breathing room regardless. And, and I do think there'll be people brought in. There always are. But one particular specific player, I don't think this was move, move was made with that in mind. But uh, as I said, I could be wrong. I've been I, wrong before. I'll be wrong oh, again. Oh, I'll be wrong before this conversation ends, Bo. That's the way that will go. Um, uh, today at PressBoxOnline.com, uh, Bo has five key questions of the Ravens begin training camp. And and I wanted to respond to two of them because one of them I saw you tweet about and I, I almost engaged with you and I, I don't know, I, I just get distracted. I got, I've had a busy summer. Um, you had asked this question on Twitter about whether or not John Harbaugh plays his starters in preseason games. And, Bo, you know how I feel about preseason football games. I don't care for them whatsoever. My immediate response was, why in the world would you? Like, we, how have we not learned the lesson that there is nothing to be gained from these things? Um, I get that that's not how John Harbaugh feels, that he still feels as though there's there's some value to having those guys out there in a different setting and something that's more like a game setting. But I, I do absolutely think it's a, a very relevant question. Did you sort of learn your lesson from a year ago? Not to say that all these things happen in games, because clearly they didn't. But there's just no reason to put guys out there. This is a very long camp we're talking about. I mean, we're talking about six weeks until you're playing an actual football game. It feels like maybe less work, given what we've learned in recent years, might be a good idea. I mean, I remember asking John, first of all, after the Dobbins injury, and I wrote about this in the thing this morning, after the Dobbins injury at Washington last year, the Ravens had a video crew on Harbaugh, and he was talking to Anthony Levine and a couple other guys on the bench. And I mean, Harbaugh was dejected that Dobbins had gotten hurt in this preseason game on like the seventh play. And, and he said, look, I, we were playing to play these guys a lot, maybe two series. And then he's hurt, and he's out for the year. And, and um, he, you could tell the regret or the dis- disappointment in Harbaugh's face. And I, asked, I remember asking him a couple days later, what would you say to the people that say, why did you play Dobbins? Mm-hmm. And... Um, and John Harbaugh said, you know, he called it a fair conversation to have. He said, anytime a player gets hurt, you're going to ask those questions. Now, he didn't say, I'm going to change things up next year. He did say they have been gradually scaling back how much the starters play. And he recognizes that some teams play the starters none. Some teams play the starters a lot more than the Ravens do. He had been scaling generally back toward not playing them much. But I do think Harbaugh is an old school guy that wants some of these guys to get some game action before they play. And it's a little more complicated this year because you have so many players who actually didn't even play last year. 
or at least much of last year that might want a little bit of work before they start playing. But um, I, it's, I think it's going to be very interesting to see. I mean, he said also in the course of this offseason, after all these injuries, that they were going to reevaluate how they operate in all phases, pretty much, of training camp. And so that could also suggest they're going to revisit the idea of guys playing in preseason games. Um, Dobbins, I think after the case, after it happened last year, he also voiced frustration that he was even in the game at all. And I don't know if the players will approach Harbaugh and say, look, let's, let's do this differently this year. He has that veterans players council. Right. It's unclear whether those people will voice that, but um, yeah, I mean, it's a question to watch. I mean, and obviously the first game that in general, they haven't played that much. And then they've ramped up to playing as much as even a half in the third game. Although, he did say when Dobbins got hurt in that third game last year, the thought was just to have those guys play a couple series. And that proved to be even uh, obviously too much for, to avoid injury. So um, it is one of the more interesting questions that they'll be facing and how Harbaugh chooses to do that. I imagine he spent a lot of time going back and forth on that. And it's, of course, fair to point out the guys can get hurt in preseason games, same way they could get hurt in a practice or, you know, a regular. It's just. I don't know. I just, I just don't think that going full steam is beneficial any longer. Um, I, I, I think we, oh boy, I think we know the answer to that. And then the last one for you: Is there any reason to to look read in at all to them bringing back David Sharp last week and feeling like they needed to have more depth at tackle um, in relation to Ronnie Stanley? Is there anything that you read from that? I, only that, you know what, I was kind of surprised they didn't bring him back earlier, only because I thought, you know what, I mean, he was serviceable, right. he was decent when he was there. Is it a matter of not having Stanley back available? Is Stanley facing a setback and they're not where they want to be with Stanley? Maybe. Um, I, don't, I didn't read that into that. I thought, oh, I wonder why Sharp didn't come back. I mean, McCary is a guy that I think they might, he might be in the mix to play guard. Uh, and if he is, then that's one less option at tackle if he's really going to you know win the job at left guard um you've got Juwan james who they're still looking at as a potential left tackle too although again this is a guy that's only played three games in three years um and if he were to not make the team there's some cap savings to be had there but uh i didn't read it as that i do think it bears a lot of watching to see with stanley because as we said we saw stanley come out in a limited time last august there was some excitement Stanley sat at that podium and talked about he feels good. He's going to be ready. He clearly was not ready, and it turned out to be just a disaster for this team. I think they're in a better place now if Stanley has any kind of setback or they're yep. certainly going to play it slow with him and, and talk about learning your lesson. I think they learned they're not going to rush Stanley back. All indications are, from what I've heard, he feels better and farther along now than he did last year, but that's still, they will be cautious with him. So bringing Sharp back, I think it's just a matter of, as you said, it's a long camp. You got 95 degree days, one after another, after another. Sharp's a guy that can play. You get him in there, you work him through, and and it, it, it's a signing that doesn't cost much and gives you a little more depth there. I tend to agree, and I, I actually agree that they're in a better position than they were a year ago, um, where, you know, again, I had no idea what the hell they were doing with Alejandro Villanueva, but that's a conversation we had too much and we don't need to ever have again. Um, but what else is on your radar as training camp gets underway? What else should people be thinking about? I mean, it's, I, I, as I said, I wrote the five questions I'm looking about. I, you know, one of the things I wrote about, too, we didn't discuss is I'm very curious to see if any of these guys um, can kind of make a name for themselves uh, as an outside linebacker. Sure. I mean, you're not going to sure. have Tyus Bowser at first. 
You're not going to have David Ajabo till probably Halloween or November. Um, a guy like Dalen Hayes played one game last year. In the little bit of OTAs that I saw this spring, he looked good. Right. But again, it's, it's easy to look good when you're in shorts. Um, can he be a guy that he's look, all these outside linebackers are going to have all the chance in the world to make a name for themselves. You have the course, the tragic death of Jalen Ferguson. So you're really shorthanded outside linebacker for this first, first part of training camp until at least Bowser gets back. I know they did resign Justin Houston, but there's an opportunity there for some young linebackers to make a noise. And of course, and I know we'll, we'll talk about the wide receivers because we always do it every year. It might be, Quincy Idabajoy-Poisho, or it might oh, be some no doubt. next version of it, there's going to be an undrafted rookie receiver who lights it up a couple days at training camp. You can be sure of it, and he is going to create some chatter. And then the question is, can that, can that player sustain it uh, over the course of three weeks and into preseason games, um, especially if Lamar Jackson's not playing in the preseason games? But So, of course, there'll be some intrigue to see. You've only got really four returning receivers. Will they keep a fifth? And if they do keep a fifth or a sixth, who are they? Because unless it's someone they sign, which is possible, um, one of these young uh, uh, undrafted receivers is going to have a chance to make a name for himself. And so this is always intriguing, right? What undrafted players can make a name? Another guy I'm love, I really want to watch and see if he can be the guy that beats the odds and make the team is uh, Navy inside linebacker Diego Love, that guy. love right? that guy, man. Good physical player. And, I mean, let's look at it. There has not been any position where the Ravens have been better at finding undrafted guys than inside linebacker. So if you're, if you're Diego Fago from Navy and you come to Baltimore and you can make a name for yourself and show you can do it on special teams and hit people to the extent that you can in training camp and be tough, that's how Christian Welsh made this team a couple years ago. So to watch Diego Fago is a guy that I'm also very intrigued to watch. At B. Smolka is how you follow him on Twitter, and the podcast continues, correct? Correct. Daniel Wilcox and I uh, have a pod, former Ravens tight end, Daniel Wilcox. We have a podcast. We'll, we'll ramp up again once a week. In fact, we're recording it tomorrow morning to get into training camp previews um, on the Believe Pod, Podcast Network. That's B-L-E-A-V. So we're doing our first training camp preview show tomorrow morning, and it'll probably be up. Uh, either tomorrow afternoon or Wednesday morning just before camp. Excellent. Bo Smolka, look forward to doing this. Uh, we'll ramp up, start doing these every week as we get closer to the start of the season. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you for taking time for us this All morning. All right. All right, you're welcome. Thank you. Pressbox Ravens beat writer Bo Smolka with us here on GCR as uh, training camp indeed gets underway this week. Players report tomorrow. First practice is on Wednesday. And, yeah, the stadium practice is Saturday night. And tough luck if you <laughs> – didn't they gave away passes? I I I know it used to be you could just show up. Like there was no risk of there being sixty thousand people coming out to a Ravens practice at the stadium, so they would just more and more and more people. But apparently, they put a cap on it this year. And if you didn't get your pass, sorry, you're out of luck. Too late. So, um. I'm assuming that there will be plenty of tickets available for the two preseason games. I'm assuming that if you miss out on the stadium practice or getting out to uh, Owings Mills, there will be very cheap and abundant numbers of tickets available for the two preseason games if you'd really like to go. We are winding down. Yes, Griffin? Oh, nothing. No, no. uh-huh. I mean, I'm excited for the preseason. I'll probably be at one of them. You're, it's, uh, it's a very, 
Except me. But uh, I, mi- I miss when they used to do training camp at McDaniel up oh, in yeah. Westminster. I mean, that, that, but that, that was, was great. Well, no, it was literally right across the street from where I, where, where I grew up. I, oh, I okay. didn't appreciate I mean, I didn't. they weren't there very long yeah. or, or, or as I was a how, kid. How young were you when that I guess like five. When did they leave? No, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, was, I was really little. No. I don't I, I know remember. You were little, but it wasn't, it wasn't five. They, I was five. No, you weren't five. Yes, I was. No, but, I remember it, Griffin, and I didn't appreciate it. Well, you might have... They might have. You might have been five when they were there, but they didn't leave when you were five. Right, right, no, yeah, they didn't leave. When I know I was that. five. I know that. Uh, what was it like? Two thousand eight, maybe. No, it was. Uh, there was the lockout. Whatever year the lockout was. Oh, okay. So it was 10, a lot later on. Maybe. Yeah, but I remember going all the time because it was literally right across. Like McDaniel was right across the street from where my. Maybe first it was two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven. I want to say was the lockout, and that was the first year. Once they once they moved because of the lockout. Because they didn't know if there was going to be a training camp or not. Mm. And remember, it was very late. Like, it was late July. They they canceled the uh, Hall of Fame game that year because of the lockout. And one, it was so late in the game that they decided they wouldn't be able to put together, you know, the training camp without having advance notice. So then they did it at their, they just did a training camp at their facility. And they were like, uh, yeah, this is better for us. We don't have to move the entire operation we can all stay right here. We're just going to do this now. And I'm still disappointed by it. I am. Um, not because I would go. I might, I might take the kids. I, what you're talking about what it meant for kids to have that much of a up-close touch. Yeah. And it's easy to say, well, hey, you can get a training camp pass. Well, you can't. They're all gone. And I say that. You say, well, all you got to do is plan ahead. That's the problem. You could wake up on a Saturday morning in those days with nothing to do and look at your kids and say, well, why don't we go out and go see the Ravens? And that was what made it such a unique experience was that you didn't have to jump through hoops. You could literally just wake up and decide and go get that personal touch and that feel with the football team that's not available in any other way. I, I understand why they do it. I'm not the, – the Ravens are not unimpeachable by any stretch of the imagination – but their their way of doing business appears to have worked. They're they're typically quite good. So if they believe that doing training camp this way helps in that process, then I can't knock it. But I can say that I do think that it it matters in I talk about the touch that Tony Siragusa had with the Ravens, why it was so important. I do think the Ravens have lost some of that personal touch with the franchise over the years. And they've made up for it by being good. They've made up for it by we win so much that it's irrelevant if we've lost some of that personal touch. Um, and we're hoping to make an announcement coming up soon about how we're going to try to help bridge the gap with that personal touch with the Ravens again this season. Um, I I wish they would, you know, maybe not the entire operation. I wish that maybe they would, like, say on Saturdays they were going back to to doing practices somewhere that people could just show up for. And I know that's not easy because, you know, these all the schools in the area also have football teams, and they want to get ready for their own season. Like, if I said, hey, why couldn't you just decide that on Saturdays you're going to go practice at Towson, right? Like, why couldn't you work out a deal to say, we want to hold our Saturdays in training camp at Towson? Well, Towson would say, well, we've got a football team too. Mm-hmm. Rob Ambrose would say, we want to get ready for our season. Now, I would like to hope that using some of those other fields down there that they could figure out a way to make it all work and everybody could be made whole. But that would be my... what. 
to make up the difference specifically for these Saturdays, I would love to see the Ravens. They, they, they can't do them all at the stadium because the Orioles are going to play on some of those days. And as we've seen before, don't know if you've heard, you can't do events at both stadiums on the same day. But I would love to make it so that every Saturday during camp or at least once a weekend, maybe if it's not on Saturday, we do it on Sunday, that you're, you're somewhere where people can just wake up and go. And their kids could just, you know, get surprised Saturday morning. Hey, we're going to go watch the Ravens. It's something that I've always, I don't scream about any longer because they're doing things the way they're going to do them. They're not going to listen to me and that's fine. But I do get to this time every year and think about that and say to myself, it would be really cool if maybe it's not, ta- maybe they moved it around. Maybe one week it's Towson, maybe one week it's at Morgan, one week it's in Westminster, one week it's, you know, yeah, that would be down awesome. in Annapolis. They, yeah. they try to do some an event in Annapolis every year. If every Saturday, yes, it's a lot of work, but it's worth it to have that relationship with the community. I would, I would encourage. Maybe they try to go. Salisbury's far. I don't yeah. think they could do that. I mean, it'd be, it'd be neat to try to go out to a different part of the state. It's just that's that's just go to Ocean City and just. Well, I mean, there's there's nowhere in Ocean City for you to be able to have a couple a fields. Practice. You couldn't have an NFL practice, but you could do it at Sal- like mm-hmm. Salisbury. Has yeah. a facility. They they have that there. I that's too much. I mean, it, it's too much. Um, but other than that, Navy, Towson, Morgan, you know, Westminster, McDaniel, um, Stevenson. Yeah. yeah, it's not a big facility. Like you can't get. But still, I would I would I would love to see them try to do that in the future. Probably won't. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by the print issue of Pressbox, which is available right now. Speaking of the Ravens, John Harbaugh's on the cover. It's our first ever salute to coaches issue. As we recognize John Harbaugh, 15 seasons as a head coach in the NFL, also inside other coaches from the area who are either approaching or recently surpassed milestones are recognized, like Kenny Amatololo, 15 years at Navy, um, as well as Pete Karinji at UMBC, Sasha Sorovsky, Missy Maharg from Maryland, uh, Pat Clatchy from Mount St. Joe, Kendall Peace from Polly, and a couple of coaches who recently retired, uh, Janine Tucker from Johns Hopkins. I'm going to get there. I promise. I'm going to get there. Lou Eckerl from Calvert Hall as well, recognized inside this new print issue of Press Box. Pick it up for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms and at the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box. And you can read it all. PressBoxOnline.com. All right, tidbit. So, Adley Rushman... Yesterday, he doubled once again after that uh, Glaber Torres drop got turned into a double. Yeah. Uh, so he now has 18 on the season, and if he keeps that pace uh, that he set over the last four games, which is one double per game, uh, he'll definitely catch the next big milestone to consider, which is the most doubles by a rookie, which is currently held by Brooklyn Dodger legend, 19, set in 1929, Johnny Frederick. Ah, that was going to be my next guess, yeah. Johnny Frederick had 52 doubles in 1929, so Adley only needs 34 doubles in 67 games to tie that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> not, yeah, not, not, not exactly likely. likely. Not likely. Uh, but definitely something to pay attention to because Adley has uh, become a double machine, um, and there is a record that he could break at some point, and that is the most doubles in a season by a catcher, so not maybe this season, but the most doubles by a catcher was held by Pudge Rodriguez since 1995 at 45. Okay, that's believable. And that was broken by Jonathan Lucroy in 2014, so the record is 46 as it stands. I did not know that. And so, and actually, and before I get to my actual tidbit question, Glenn, do you know who has the record for the most doubles in a season by a switch hitter? 
I don't. <laughs> I don't. It, it is held by Brian Roberts. I would not have guessed. Yeah, Brian. I mean, Brian Roberts was a doubles machine, though. Yes, he was. He had fifty six in two thousand nine. I'm still kind of surprised by that. Yeah, and it, that was the uh, he was the lone holder of that record until twenty seventeen when Jose Ramirez tied him with fifty six doubles. I, didn't, I, I guess I forgot that Jose Ramirez is a switch hitter. Yeah. I try to think of like who the you know like Chipper Jones is a switch hitter. I'm a little surprised. I mean, I guess he hit more home runs, but I'm a little surprised. I'm just a little. Was Pete Rose a switch hitter? Like I'm a little bit surprised. Uh, not what. I thought Pete Rose was a switch hitter. You can look that up later. Um, all right, so Adley is currently tied, though, for 20th among Orioles rookies with his 18 doubles. And he's currently alongside rookie... Yeah, Pete Rose was definitely a switch hitter. A rookie Jonathan Scope, a rookie Stevie Wilkerson, a rookie Jeffrey Hammonds, and a rookie Nolan Reimold all hit 18 doubles as a rookie. So, Glenn, my question is, can well, you name... He can turn out to be as half as good as Nolan Reimold. <laughs> we're going to be in, We're going to be in for a treat. <laughs> It'll definitely be exciting. Um, so can you name who has, or can you give me the top 10 Orioles who have hit the most doubles in their rookie season? And I'm going to, I want to know the top 10 since 1966. Since 66. Yes. So now I got to think of why you said 66. Just, who was a yeah. rookie in 66? Um, okay. Anyway, let's, let me stay away from that. I'll try, uh, Carl Ripken. There you go. Yeah. Number one, he hit 32 doubles in 1982. That is the Orioles' record for a rookie. So that could be in the graph so, for Adley's, definitely. I'm assuming that they didn't count the, yeah, Manny Machado. No, Manny Machado, because he had, like, over 130 at-bats. Did he really? So yeah. they counted that as a so season? 2012 was his rookie year. Yeah, so, I'm but a he, little but he surprised. Hit, yes, but he hit 51. So, he, I mean, he probably, if he had known he was chasing Johnny Frederick, he probably would have yeah, had right. a shot That's at a great that. point. <laughs> Uh, at 2013, been his rookie year, so that is very disappointing. But uh, how about uh, Ryan Mountcastle? Mountcastle is in the top ten. He is sixth. He had 23 last season. He, um, how about Nick Markakis? There you go, Nick Markakis, top four, 25 doubles in his rookie 2006 campaign. How about man? This is so unique and so specific that it's very difficult for me. Like I, I'd just be better off naming players and not right. trying to like do any work to figure out who it might be. But, um, Matt Weeters. Matt Weeters is not on my list. Where? What did Matt Weeters do? I think Matt Weeters his rookie season had like sixteen ish doubles or seventeen doubles. Okay. How about? But not in the top ten. Thank you. Appreciate that you followed up on that to make sure I didn't, because <laughs> I, I might have been confused and thought there was still a chance. But how about Brian Roberts? Brian Roberts, no, not sure how many he had as a rookie. How about Trey Mancini? There you go, Trey Mancini, top three. He had twenty six doubles in twenty seventeen. Hauser's bouts, Hauser's. Uh, they didn't count 08 as Adam Jones' rookie season. They counted him in Seattle as a rookie, right? I believe so, yeah, because he is not on here. Um, all right, you, I mean, my, um, no, 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 right. no, don't do it yet. Okay. Not yet. Don't be prepared. Yeah, yeah, about half the, the, let's see, the bottom four guys are uh, some pretty unique names. Bottom four guys. And okay. there's one more big one. Uh, one more big one. Mm-hmm. One more big one. That was a ro- Eddie Murray. There you go. Eddie yeah. Murray, 1977, yeah. hit 29 as a rookie. 
held the record, held the Orioles record for five years, and then Cal Ripken came along. I'm trying to think. You you brought up '66 because there was someone in '66, correct? Yeah. That's what I'm struggling with. Is who was a rookie in '66? <laughs> um. I don't know who's. I'll give you. Let's see. The bottom four are between. Actually, the rest of the guys are between sixty-six and eighty-nine. Two guys from eighty-nine, actually. Uh, uh, Brady Anderson. No, he was no, no, not Brady Anderson. This is a tough one. It is a tough one. I I know, but I mean, I, the, the eighty-nine Orioles, the why not Orioles? Like, I I I just don't remember who specifically was a rookie in eighty-nine. Is the problem? Like, that's my issue. Um, Mickey Tettleton. He wasn't a rookie in '89. No, he was a rookie night. Orsalak. No. Hey, don't, 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 don't. Not an '89, not an '89 guy, but somebody that you guessed for one of my tidbits last week. I'm not gonna remember that. I'm never gonna remember that. Uh, 89. Milligan? Was Randy there Milligan a rookie? Yeah, Randy Milligan tied with Mountcastle. 23 doubles. Another rookie in 1989 hit 23 doubles as well. Is Craig Worthington a rookie? There you go. Craig Worthington. I know me so, some 89 or So we're missing, we're looking for number 9 and number 10, and then number 5 as well. All right. You mean you're going to have to. 1978 rookie, Larry Harlow. Oh, well, I mean, I was going to, you're supposed to have me guess. You're supposed to give oh, me a hint and then have me guess. Okay, Still. sorry. You're supposed to say, here's something I would never have come up with in Larry Harlow, so it's fine. All right, bottom two guys, they are uh, rookie year 1966, rookie year 1972. All right, I'm not going to get them. Tell me. All right, number nine, Bobby Gritch. Bobby Gritch. Gritch. We were, we were just talking about yeah. Bobby Gritch last week because he has the same career war as Derek Jeter. Right. That, there that it is. We literally just had a conversation about Bobby Gritch. And then number 10, 1966, Davey Johnson. Oh, okay. I he didn't realize he was 20. a rookie in 66. Mm-hmm. I did not realize that. He hit 20, so. All right. And also some fun names. Rich Coogans. Ah. He's close. He had 19. Rich. Geronimo Gill in 2002. Geronimo Heal. Sorry. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Floyd right. Smith Jr. hit uh, 16 in his uh, 2019 rookie year. Hunsu Kim also had 16. All right. Right. So they're in like the approach. They were in the top twenty-ish range. All right. Um. Thank you. Thank you. No it's problem. Done. It's a good. Fine job. Fine job. All right. Here's what's coming up. Uh, totally tubular wise. Totally tubular is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. UFC two seventy-seven on Saturday night. Pena Nunez. Who do you like in that one? By the way. Um. I'm definitely gonna have to go with uh, Nunez. She's yeah. An animal. Yeah, I mean, it was shocking when Pena won a couple months ago. Yeah, um, and I think there's no way Amanda Nunez can let that happen because right. she is one of the greatest women fighters of all time. That's true. All right, very interesting. That's Griffin's breakdown. We'll uh, we'll probably do a video about that at some point for uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook. Um, FanDuel Sportsbook is the place to watch the fights. Bet on all of them. Sixty-one self-service kiosks to get all your bets in for UFC 277 coming up on Saturday night. You want to reserve your spot for the fights. Make sure, because they they get huge crowds on fight nights in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. So reserve your spot by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. Here's what's coming up totally tubular-wise. Orioles open up a four-game set with the Rays. Corey Kluber, Austin Voth, the pitching matchup tonight at 7 on Masson. Masson 2 for Nationals Dodgers at 10. It's also on MLB Network and the rest of the country. Locally, Rangers Mariners at 10 on MLB Network with Braves Phillies at 7. Uh, Women's Copa America on Fox Sports 1, Colombia and Argentina at 8. 
the basketball tournament tonight at seven on ESPN two. ESPN is airing like some. It's it's not a documentary as much as like it's a collection of short stories. It's called Jackie to Me, which is all about Jackie Robinson. That's tonight at seven, and the USA Network tonight for WWE Monday Night Raw at eight. Some non sports. So we got the Bachelorette tonight, episode sure. three, not, not on ABC not at eight. For me. American Ninja Warrior semifinals at eight. People do like that. Yes, they do. Uh, Better Call Saul. Season oh, six is continuing. That's right. Yeah, it's they back. returned last week, and now. Uh, oh, it returned last week. It did, yeah. So we got. Oh, we weren't on so last Monday. Sitting, that's yeah. why I totally missed that. Need to go watch that episode now. Nine o'clock AMC. It is episode ten of season six because they took a break there. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Um, Shark Week is shifted over to Discovery. So if you were trying well, to but find this, that, didn't we figure out this is the actual this Shark is, Week? Yeah, this is the actual. You Shark were just week. I mean, they still have Shark. Week. No, they had Shark stuff on. Yeah, but this is the week where they do all the new content. Yes, this, this is, is the true. actual Shark Week. This is true. Yeah, Jackass two point last night. Was oh, the Shark was that, week okay. Was the all Shark right. Week special? All right. Um, let's see. Nat Geo has a Bear Grylls season seven premiere. Natalie Portman will be on. Okay. Yeah. And other than that, Apparently Natalie that Portman a... was in Maryland. Was she? Because I think she's part of that. Um, the the Laura Lippman book that they're turning into a movie. It's like her and and uh, the uh, Lapita Nyong'o, I believe, mm. are in that. And so my buddy uh, Jimmy Haha from Jimmy's Chicken Shack posted a picture of his daughter with Natalie Portman. I'm like, what the hell? Like, that's so random. But then I remembered. I, I think it... It's a, I think Lady it's in the Lake? Lady in the Lake, yeah. yeah. And um, they are filming that here. Yeah. That's pretty cool. All right. Flashes around. I, uh, I'm disappointed that the track and field world championships ended last night, and I uh, I never turned it on. You know I turned what? it on last Everybody night. Everybody was... Re- it's, I have never been a big track and field guy. I didn't... And, I don't and I, it's my mistake, because I don't include it, and I, and I screw it. I, I thought it was cool that there was a local connection, so we talked about it on the show last week. But I, it's just never, unlike swimming, which I actually think is dope. Like, I love watching swimming. I think it's exhilarating. I just, for whatever reason, never fen- felt the same way about track and field. So yeah. everybody else in the country was raving about it. Yeah, like Sidney McLaughlin and, you know, the whole. It was really fun to watch. Yeah. Like, the, I mean, unfortunately, last night was the last night. But uh, they had, yeah, they had the 4x4 four four relays. The Americans swept yeah. both of those. So that, and the 4x400, four excuse me. Big, big track and field guy now. Oh yeah. Um, but it was that was really exciting. Doctor track, they yeah. call you. Yes. And then and then it it like worked out perfectly. The guy that was doing the pole vault, he broke the world record like right at like 11 p.m., which is I guess when they had to like cut like when yeah, everything they gave ended. Yeah, like an hour broadcast yeah. window to go to the local news. Yeah. And, and so they so uh, he broke the record like right at 11 p.m. and it was just the place was going nuts. It was, That's uh, cool. it was very exciting. It's yeah. cool. It, it means it's probably fake. They probably set it up that way. Maybe, yeah. yeah it's fake. It's all it so, looked real. So we didn't land on the moon either. I got bad news. You're one of those. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing is yeah, organic. Oh, you sheep! You're gonna believe it. They're, they're turning the frogs gay. Like, I actually could probably do my Alex Jones, <laughs> given given the state of my voice right now. All of you out there, you'll believe anything. You bastards. Thanks today to Bo Smoker. Thanks to uh, the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard and Rob Long. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the <coughs> tab at glenclarkradio.com. Do we have anything uh, confirmed for tomorrow? Uh, nothing confirmed, but we have a lot. Okay. I think Drew might actually happen. join us tomorrow because I believe he's unavailable on Wednesday. And actually, he might come hang out with us in studio. We definitely have simply the best tomorrow. We're, yeah, that's we're doing that for sure. But no, that's stuff and things. Stuff and things. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Costa Sin, Great Eights Memorabilia, FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, All-America Lacrosse, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Thanks to Ryan at Rexpex Ryan. Follow us at Glenn Clark Radio, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. 
Have a great Monday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.